miss it? <laughs> it's June 26th. Okay. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Vacation Impossible podcast for Sunday, June 26th, 2016. Surprise! Or, yeah, it's a surprise one. Mike was in the area once again, so uh, we're hastily throwing together another podcast. So, uh, once again, Mike is on a trip here to Vancouver. How's, I am. How's your trip this time? So far, so good. I had a few days off work, so I thought I'd fly out on another turbulent flight. Uh, <laughs> this time the wings were flapping, which was quite unnerving. Um, but yeah, so far, so good. I'm, I got to see uh, Warren, Dean Flandes, at his uh, concert today, the Jazz Festival. He rocked it. Had, Tends uh, to. Yeah, he had the Top Line Vocal Collection singing as well, so... So far, so good. Went out to see some friends yesterday, got drunk, got sick, and uh, yeah, great first impression. Um, <laughs> other than that, so far, and now I'm here. Does it count as a first impression, though, when you were born and raised here? And, and I wasn't born back? and raised oh, here. Well, you were, okay, you spent a lot of time here? I lived I lived here for four years. Really? It was only four years? Only Shut four the front years. door. Are you serious? 94 to 98. That's it? Yeah. I moved to Vancouver in the summer when I started grade 10. Ah. Yeah. And then I moved back. Because I crazy. had a better opportunity in Toronto. Oh, and Toronto. it was only supposed to be a six-month contract. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been, yeah. what, 15 years now? 17 years yeah. later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but. Well, then, nevertheless, it still doesn't count as a first impression. Yes. Well, uh, the, yeah. I went to see some friends, and her mother was there, and I recognize you. Mm-hmm. It's only been 16 years, 17 years. <laughs> and then, of course, about a couple hours later, I got sick. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So I guess you made quite an impression the first time since they remembered you. Yeah. And so. And I just made a good second impression. And then I saw them again today. And they're like, oh my God, are you okay? You were sick last night. (laughs) Yes, I was. Thanks, Alberto, for feeding me constant alcohol. Mm, too much to drink. I'm way too much to drink. I've I've been a little sick myself, so I might not look or feel my usual self. I definitely Um, don't look myself. Because, yeah, just as the Mario Marathon was starting. And, um, I don't know. I think I came down with something. I'm hoping it was just like a one, two, three day bug. Um, but, uh, as we're speaking right now, Mario Marathon is just transitioning from its third to its fourth day, uh, of the event. And, uh, so far they've raised over $45,000 for uh, child's play charity, which as you probably know, if you're a podcast listener is a charity that gives books, toys, and video games to children's hospitals, uh, general hospitals with children's wings and, uh, domestic violence shelters all across the world from Iraq to Vancouver and everything in between started by Penny Arcade in Seattle. I have been watching the event as I often do, um, trying to win a t-shirt. It's the end of day three, still no t-shirt, still no poster. I've gotten a couple nice shout outs right now. Vacationimpossible.ca is the number two partner site, but we'll see if that holds through to the end of the event. Being sick and the Mario Marathon messed up my sleep schedule pretty severely, so I'm like 60 to 80% here right now. I don't know. I might sound and look funny, um, but it's all for a good cause and uh, some good entertainment. Yeah, there have been already some pretty memorable moments uh, in this Mario Marathon. Uh, there's something that I'm calling Scratchgate, where um, they were playing Mario Brothers 2, and when you get coins, then you play a slot machine to get extra lives between the levels. And so apparently Brian knows a trick on how to, you know, maximize that. And so he was getting up to the screen with the controller. So I don't know why he needed to be close to the screen, maybe to reduce lag time, the speed of light. I don't know. Uh, Anyways, he gets up and with his waist right in front of the camera, he readjusts himself and gives a little scratch. And then everyone just spends the next five minutes laughing their butts off. 
Uh, so that was that was a pretty uh, memorable thing. And we got a new Jed song. Uh, he wrote uh, he rewrote "Walking on Sunshine" for uh, Super Mario Sunshine, which he also did a medley into Daphne, which is one of my favorites uh, and one of my favorite songs of his as well. So actually, um, I think it is in fact my favorite. Yeah. That and oh. you know there ain't nothing wrong with the Mario Marathon. Mm-hmm. Those are those are two really Jed. good ones. Jed, Jedediah Johnson. Yeah. So he's the he's I've the heard of him before. he's he's on the Mario Marathon. He's like their primary guitar player. Uh, he's recently in the last couple of years actually started playing the games a little bit, but mostly he would just come and tell Jed time stories. Yeah, and, and Jedleys, which was uh, he did a classic Jedley as we were setting up for this uh, last minute podcast. So we had a Jedley to listen to as we were getting our amiibos and microphone and everything set up with the camera. Mario Mar- Marathon's going very well this year. Um, it's not getting the same level of celebrity attention as it used to in previous years. I'm thinking some of that might be because of changes to Twitter. Uh, trending topics is not much of a thing anymore. They're trying to transition to something called moments, and I'm not sure who's curating the moments, but. Um, the top three moments all tend to be the same moment. Normally, lately, something about Donald Trump or whatever, um, or Brexit, or somebody dying, or something. Well, like VidCon, that. VidCon is also this weekend too, so I think that's really, really hurting their cele- chances for celebrity endorsements. Um, so a lot of the YouTubers, big YouTubers out there, that may have been inclined to in, uh, endorse, like Felicia Day, for instance, um, they're probably busy with VidCon. Um, What's so, VidCon? Um, it's it's the video convention basically i think it's a it's oh, kind it's of YouTube it's, 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 it's a youtube right? convention, YouTube convention. Yeah. and also look to franklin's there um so he's one of the top he's a, he's a huge youtuber um markiplier markiplier's there um i think matthew DeSanto is there there's a whole bunch of like big names oh, um okay. and and obviously you know the fine brothers and and is it just for gamers or is it singers YouTubers. anybody who wow. but okay. but all these these are all people that could be potential you know endorsers but yeah. because they're they're you know at vidcon it's just you know unfortunately it's just not happening yeah. Well, my favorite YouTubers aren't there because I know that uh, Pat the NES Punk is uh, is at a convention, and I know that Cinemassacre is at too many games. Mm. But I do want to say thanks to Pat because I submitted yes. a question to the CU Podcast, the completely unnecessary podcast, which admittedly we've borrowed a lot of inspiration from. <laughs> uh, you know, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll probably see our little uh, logos up and just sort of our general setup and. Um, yeah, we've, we've, we've borrowed quite heavily from them, uh, so they're not there. But I do want to say thank you to the CU Podcast and Pat and Ian for uh, answering my question, Cowman's question, about the Mario Marathon, which admittedly was a bit of a trick to get them talking about it immediately before the event. Uh, but they were very nice to endorse it, and they released their clip of that podcast a couple of days before the event. Um, so I think last time I looked, it has something like 17,000 views. So that sort of thing is very helpful, mm-hmm. um, in trying to get the word out for the well, marathon. Well, the, the marathon, marathon has some new viewers this year, so it yep. could very well be from Pat Country. Speaking of Mario Marathon, um, <laughs> Target John wasn't on the couch this year, at least not that we've seen in the first three days. He did, however, periscope himself doing a cooking show from his kitchen in which he made waffles. And so that's kind of interesting. Um, I don't fully grasp the periscope thing. Uh, I haven't gotten into that yet. Um, but apparently when people like you, a bunch of hearts flutter up in the corner of the, of the screen. So that's a thing, apparently. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so he was talking about making waffles. And I, I don't know anything about how to make waffles. I think I know a bit about how to eat them. <laughs> um, but even that, I'm like super amateur. Don't know what I'm talking about. And I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, Target John, uh, as he's known in the Mario Marathon, his uh, Twitter handle is useless traffic, at useless traffic, one word. I'm pretty sure he made a mistake in making them because I'm watching this. And, and Mindy, I'll, I'll give you a moment to talk about this because she's the one who can speak professionally. But from an amateur, um, he he was 
he was blending something in a bowl. And then he very carefully poured it from the smaller bowl into the larger bowl in one unit that kind of slid out very nicely. I thought he did a great job of whatever that is and whatever it's called. And then he immediately went after it with the beaters again in the bigger bowl. So you have to ask, what was the point of going from bowl A to bowl B? I don't get it. It seems it's it seemed unnecessary showmanship or maybe a mistake. Apparently it's a mistake. So now to Mindy with what was that all about? Okay, so yeah, I kind of lost my full mind just a little bit. Um, so he made, um, he basically whipped some uh, some egg whites, and so he basically made a meringue out of the egg whites. And he formed, and he was showing, um, he's showing the viewers how he made some really nice, uh, you know, perfect stiff peaks and stuff like that. He did a fantastic job with that. Um, and then he went, uh, and then part of the instruction because he was giving instructions on how to make this as well because he was making buttermilk pancakes. Um, he said he's like, okay, now we're going to fold the uh, egg whites into to the batter. Now, when you fold something into a batter, you're taking the egg whites, which is a light mixture, and you're putting it in, you're carefully folding it into a heavier mixture, a batter generally, or, you know, a custard or something like that. And you, you're supposed to just kind of cut into it and fold it gently and whatnot. But he took a beater to it, um, so you beat it into the mix. And so that just collapses the egg whites. So that fluffiness and that, that kind of airiness that you're going to get from the the fold the, uh, the beaten egg whites, you're going to lose because you're gonna, you, you, you make them too stiff, the, the egg whites, basically. Um, and you, you harden the meringue too much because there's, there's a point where you can kind of overmix. Um, and, and in this case, he actually just collapsed it because he's just kind of putting it into wet mixture. Um, so I kind of went on Twitter and yelled at him a little bit. Now it's not the nicest person about it. Um, he was very gracious because it's it's uh, Target John, and Target John is nothing if not an incredibly gracious person. Um, and so he and he, he's like, oh, you know, stand corrected. But yeah, I kind of. I mean, it was only two tweets, but I I use some I use a uh, hashtag that could have been nicer. I was like, do it right. Hashtag, um, and and you know, <laughs> sorry. Uh, former chef, I used to you know do this for a living, so that was kind of it, it. hurt my heart a little, um, but but you know they look pretty good. Um, I'm not a big waffle connoisseur, but I mean they look really really good. Um, buttermilk pancakes certainly are preferred over you know biscuit uh, pancakes or not biscuit but pancakes, um, waffles. I'm not a big breakfast pastry person. <laughs> um. So my apologies once again to John for being a bit of a jerk about it. But and again, way to go for being as gracious as you tend to be. Um, he's a really good guy if you're really into um, if you're really into Big Brother. Mm-hmm. He's definitely a guy you want to follow mm-hmm. because he follows Big Brother quite quite religiously. Um, and and he has a lot of if you're really into that, it seems like he has a lot of insight. He really knows the characters and all that sort of stuff. Um, so if you're into that sort of stuff, I definitely recommend you give him a follow. Just kind of watch him. I'm not I'm not into that, so for me it's kind of like whatever. Um, for me, it is literally useless tra- traffic. Um, but um, but if yeah, if, if you if you dig that sort of thing, he's definitely a guy you want to follow. And that was Bindi with this week in waffles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, actually, uh, yeah, I believe um, Target John runs a blog and I believe a very successful Twitter account, both about Big Brother. But mm-hmm. we're not very big fans of reality TV, generally speaking, uh, here at Vacation Impossible. So, uh, but if that's what you're into, we definitely recommend it because he couldn't be a nicer guy. Oh, absolutely. Um, so full full credit to him for that. I believe his his name Useless Traffic actually came from I believe he did a um, a traffic report on the radio mm-hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong about this internet but I think he did it after rush hour mm-hmm. so it was like a report of the traffic after you've already arrived at work mm-hmm. so it was useless to like 99% of the people <laughs> and I think he was doing that when he signed up for Twitter so I think that's where the nickname yeah, uh, sort of uh, began for him. He's got a great radio voice so I totally understand why he was doing radio announcements. 
Yeah. Um, but in uh, to to honor uh, Target John, I'd like to ask everyone where they're watching or listening to the podcast from. Uh, <laughs> if this is on YouTube, please comment below. Uh, if you're listening on uh, uh, Podbean or Stitcher uh, or Google Play, who we've recently got the podcast approved for, um, please send us an email at team at vacationimpossible.ca. And let us know where you're listening from because uh, we, we want to honor John and ask that question because yeah, he always does on the Mario Marathon. Did any of that make any sense to you? Did you care about waffles that much, Mike? Nope. Yeah. I, was, I don't I was care listening... about waffles. Let me just be clear. <laughs> but, just, but just to put this in, I now want waffles. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, hey, no, that's actually a place up the street. It's called Off the Grid. They apparently do like waffly type things. You might like it. All right. I'm, I'm going to go there now. See <laughs> There's also D-Dutch, but they, they have limited hours. Yeah, they're probably um, closed. Yeah. So... And I can I can indeed Dutch well, they don't something close for me to go in there and make waffles. Hmm? They don't need to be closed for me to go in there and make waffles. This is true. I know. It's just... There's laws about that, but you know. There is, yeah, and I can always offer the police when they show up a waffle. Don't know that that would work. I don't think it would work. No. You, know, you, you very there. rapidly went from I don't care about waffles to I will break the law for waffles. I, yeah. <laughs> because now I'm hungry for waffles. That was that was a very quick transition. I just don't care about <laughs> making them, eating them. I'm an expert. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoy waffles, but I find um, all those squares are, it's hard to butter. So. Yes. I'm not a big pancake or waffle guy. Syrup in there. I, don't, I don't like pancakes at all. Getting into uh, Q&A time, we have a question from Karen. She actually submitted both of today's questions. So the first question is, what's the worst part of cruising aside from it ending? And mm. that is a difficult question because she ruled out my answer. Um, I, I always say that that last night on the ship where the luggage tags appear when you come back from dinner, like that is the image of sadness for me. Um, you know, that's a low moment. Uh, even though you know you got a couple hours left, you know that it's just like sands through the hourglass. It's hard to identify a worst part of cruising for me personally. I think that there have been instances where things aren't the greatest. I think the worst part, actually, no, I, I think I can't answer this. The safety briefing. Oh, I, brutal. oh my safety brief briefing oh, is, is necessary we endorse it we respect it we're still waiting it for suggestions happened. to make it better yeah but i think yeah that's the most brutal half hour you're gonna spend on the ship yeah um, if you're lucky it's only half an hour yeah it, and depends on where you are and yeah that's the only thing i think that's consistently bad yeah. uh the other thing it's like you, you might encounter the odd thing that could be problematic uh, like if you run into weather, if your port gets canceled, there's things that could be frustrating. Uh, and one thing that we've mentioned before, but I, I can't say this enough, don't sail out of Jacksonville no. if you're not an American. Uh, because that's one thing that's consistent is if you're going back to Jacksonville, you will be forced to wake up earlier than all of the Americans and go into a lounge and wait for 45 minutes while nothing happens, mm -hmm. then have a brief conversation with the border guard, go back to your room, and then like a half hour after that is when everybody else wakes up. You get your stuff together, you get off the ship, and then you go through customs and you have the exact same conversation with a different border guard all over again. It seems absolutely uh, a big fat waste of time. It's useless. Uh, if it wasn't for that, Jacksonville's great. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of amenities uh, near the airport, which is quite nice. Um, that's the one where you sail under the bridge, I think. Yes. Uh, to get out. So to get out, yeah. So that's, it's, it's good for that. So sailing out is good, but sailing, sailing out. Is... Yeah. Well, and the bridge thing is cool because you're like, you're watching that, and you're thinking that bridge is going to hit the funnel. <laughs> like, it's inches. <laughs> it wow. feel, yeah, it feels like that. And Feet, yeah. we, I still need to edit that video, but we'll have video coming out uh, hopefully soon ish of 
you know, uh, that was the fascination, I believe. That was, that, was, yeah. that was sailing out of there. But the problem also is with Jacksonville having that bridge that the, the cruise ships have to go under, I think they're limited as to the size of the vessel. Yes. So I think it can only be Fantasy Class, which is the smallest size of vessel uh, in Carnival's fleet. I believe they're swapping out the fascination for something else in Jacksonville. But anyways, I mean, one Fantasy Class is very similar to another, in my opinion. So yeah. anyway, so for me, it's generally speaking, safety briefing sucks. And in terms of a specific uh, port, going returning to Jacksonville. Those are my two worst parts of cruising. I think queuing uh, on your way into the cruise is also a bit brutal. I mean, it'll probably be less of an issue once you get to like a higher level, like you get platinum and whatnot. Mm. Um, but um, by the end of the year, it's yeah. one. Of, it's one of my New Year's resolutions: make platinum by the end of the year or early 2017. I think I can make it happen. But yeah, just, just kind of the, the queuing is again, it's, just, it's kind of like safety briefing. You, just, you have to put up with it because I mean, unless you want to pay to get out of it, you can't do that with a safety briefing. Um, you, you just have to kind of stand there for upwards of a couple hours, honestly. Um, okay. and I think that's anomalous. Well, uh, I mean, that Miami one, when we did the breeze, we were in line for a good couple hours. And it to get on board? Was it really that long? I honestly, I was sleep deprived. I don't remember it very well. Well, I think we, sh- we showed up like the earliest possible time we can show up, which was like 10 a.m. And we didn't get on the ship until afternoon. Okay. Wow. Well, I mean, a couple things I would want to say about that is um, most of the larger ports and larger ships have now instituted check-in times. So my experiences since the breeze have been, well, I would breeze on board. I, <laughs> I would I would rarely be waiting in That's line true, for very long. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like very long. I mean, you have to go through your security checkpoint similar to the airport, although not quite as rigorous. And um, you also have to, you know, sign in and get your room key and that sort of thing. And then you might possibly have to wait after that. Out of 11 cruises, I think I've waited twice after that step. Normally, it's just walk on the ship. And then out of 11 cruises, maybe three or four times the room wasn't ready right away. So more than half the time the room was ready. Uh, and if it's not, so what? Go up on Lido and grab a cheeseburger. Like it's, you know, it's not. Good cheeseburgers too. Yeah. yeah, it's not that bad. But you do have, uh, uh, Mindy was mentioning, you can pay your way out of it. So on Carnival, there's something called Faster to the Fun, which I believe is about an additional $50 per cabin, not per person. So it's got that going oh, okay. for it. Where, um, where you can basically be treated as if you're platinum. Uh, in in terms of uh, getting onto and off the ship, and that includes getting off on a, a tender. Uh, I haven't done it personally. I want to earn my way into platinum, and I'm cheap. It doesn't seem worth it. And the thing is, I mean, waiting in line, um, you might meet new people. Um, that yeah. might be nice. Might not. Yeah, the ones, the ones we were in the lineup with the with the the last one, they were they were they were not. Well, we had to be detoured on our last the last cruise that uh, my husband and I went on um, with his mom and my. And our son. On the sunshine, we were yeah. impacted by Hurricane Joaquin. Those videos are now out, so check them out. But yeah, this was guys. I mean, this guy it sounded like he'd stayed up for like ten years or something like that, and he was like his first ever cruise, and he was so excited. I'm going to go to Bermuda. No, you're not. <laughs> uh, and so he, I mean, he was understandably pretty upset. I mean, he was trying to. I mean, he, by the by, you know, for the first twenty minutes or so, he was kind of fuming. Um, and after a while, he started to kind of take it on the chin a little bit, but uh, started to see the humor in it. Yeah, I think, but because uh, I mean, he's, I mean, he realized that there's literally nothing he could do about it. Um, and the fact and, is, and, you're still going on a cruise. You're still on yeah. the ship. You're still yeah. going to go see some cool things. But I, I think the, the Bermuda was also the big. I think there was like there, yeah. those were the two things. Like he was going to go on a cruise, and he was going to go to Bermuda, and he was going to get both of those checked off his list. And then he like and, I, and it took him years to save up for this. Oh, wow. 
And then and it's like, well, oh. it just gives them an excuse to go on another cruise. <laughs> that's what we said. Just like, that's, that's what we but you got to choose your moment to say that yeah. because yeah. if if he's still in the initial shock, he hasn't processed it. Yeah. And that's one of the things about if you have a longer queue, uh, if you're suddenly handed a piece of paper that says, "By the way, your entire vacation plans have gone a little askew," mm-hmm. uh, gives you time to process that information. And so when we were waiting to get on the Sunshine, I think that was a longer wait than usual, probably pushing forty five minutes. But because we were kind of scrambling to process this information it actually didn't feel as long because we were we were like on the Wi-Fi trying to look up like I've never been to San Juan I know that Sam had been but we were still returning to the same port on the same day and time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know we didn't book anything outside of Carnival um, so you know we were okay there but um, yeah I think that yeah you know he took it in stride eventually and, and had a sense of humor about it and of course Carnival offer, offered a 25% discount on the next cruise of approximate length which we have used towards our upcoming trip um, going back to Atlantis on the Dream out of New Orleans nice. in late August that we're looking forward to. 60 more days. Yeah, we're, days. we've got a pretty big group. We've got, what, seven at this point, and so possibly more will be added. Um, and different right, people are leaving it. Sam's coming. Sam's coming. Sam's coming. Yeah, no, unfortunately, I won't be able to. Well, you have to you have to book your time off pretty far in advance. Yeah, so I do. You got to give a bid process and yeah. that sort of thing. Mike, what's uh, what's the worst part of cruising for you? Do you think? I think it's the rough seas. Uh, it's nausea. Not, not, <laughs> yeah, nausea. It's not turbulence. It's motion sickness. Motion sickness. Thank you. Um, it also depends on what room you are staying in too. Like you two, don't stay there uh, unless you enjoy listening to the uh, anchor drop and. Mm-hmm. Know, shake the whole room. Yeah. Oh, but it's crap. What's that? We we just booked um the imagination for December and I got us E one. Oh I no. forgot about the anchor. <laughs> now I guess we have an anchor thing to deal with. You gotta, yeah. Well it depends on which side the anchor comes out on. Um when when they drop anchor. But can you they find drop out? anchor at Catalina though, so that yeah. will be concerning Catalina. I don't know if they drop it when they're in port. If they're in port, and it's, and it's not a, a yeah, they get the lines. They probably they don't get the need the lines. Yeah, they won't, they won't need the. Uh... No, I remember what it was. It was on the twenty-four dollar cruise. I had a similar cabin in the port aft quarter, but they were doing maintenance on the hull of the ship, mm-hmm. and so I was woken up at like six in the morning to, and I'm like, ah, this is how they got me for the twenty-four dollar cruise deal. Yeah. That's how I paid for it. Um, but anyways, uh, we're on Empress deck, which is deck seven versus you, which is, I think a deck or two it's below. A... So maybe we'll be far enough away and maybe the anchor won't pop up on that side. I knew there was something I was forgetting about yeah. having those answer. forward portholes. I love have, a porthole, but yeah. yeah if you anchor. have motion sickness <laughs> and you get nauseous very easily, um, I yeah. recommend, um, grab all, uh, but... do, do you ever get them, like try them C-band thingies? No. Or what about the uh, behind-the-ear patch? I've never no. heard those, no. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of people like, swear so by them. I don't yeah, C-bands, where it's just like, it's like a wristband that you wear, and it has some sort of like anti-nausea thing that kind of just soaks into the skin, and there's other things you can wear behind the I ears. I didn't know that. I just and apparently both, I, I, don't, I don't have gravel. motion sickness, so it's not really a thing yeah. that affects me I don't much. normally do. Like, if I'm on a sailboat, like mm-hmm. a small sailboat, I am gone. I, I, I'm done for. Oh, sailboats but a big But a big ship, it doesn't matter. It has to be rocking constantly. Constantly. Like... When we were on the was it the paradise? Paradise that was fun. <laughs> no, no I would, well, it was fun, fun but for me. not the point where I was sick. Yeah, um, I, I sympathize with you, but I was having fun because yeah. I'd pay more for that because I'm the amusement park guy. But yeah, me too. yeah, um, I am definitely not the amusement park guy. 
I'd be the one, you know, carrying all the luggage or the taking out, looking after the kids, <laughs> or the pushing the stroller. That that'd be me. That would be what you'd volunteer for. I would totally volunteer for that because it doesn't involve ground. me screaming and dying or crying because <laughs> apparently you know, I cry it, easily. It's interesting. I was talking to someone today about about amusement parks and they're uh, and and she's saying, you know, I really really enjoy the atmosphere because she's like, I wish I would enjoy amusement parks a lot more. And I was like, well, why don't you? And she's like, well, I love the atmosphere. The atmosphere is fantastic yeah. and the rides look like they're a whole lot of fun. But she's like, I hate that 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 pit and like that that knot in the pit of your stomach yeah. feeling i'm like oh i absolutely love that and she's like honestly for me it feels so much like an anxiety attack and she's someone who suffers from from anxiety attacks oh, yeah. and she's like it's, it's it's far like the whole high and the low and the yeah. drop she could just and i was like wow you know i actually don't it, it, it never occurred to me that yes yeah, especially for someone who maybe suffers from mood disorders who has anxiety issues yeah that yeah like i was like oh hey that's an interesting perspective that i never never you know thought to appreciate before but uh yeah, no, it really does feel like an anxiety attack. Uh, these these roller coaster rides. I, having, I, I mean, I suffer from them myself, yeah. and it, that's legit what it feels like. I strangely and perhaps sickly <laughs> enjoy the feeling when it's my own on my own volition. Like I'm willingly. Yeah. You're, going. you're still somewhat in control. Yes, exactly. You yeah, chose yeah, yeah. to go on exactly. the ride. Exactly, I'm right, willingly yeah. going on the ride. Yeah. I know what's gonna happen. So yeah, you're, me, you're like, expecting yeah! it. Like I can do roller coasters, yeah, but them. if they go upside down, I'm done. I love. If I love they go that. upside down or around in a circle. Nope. Like I can. So he's not doing the Hulk anytime soon. No, um, <laughs> Hulk is pretty intense. No, if it, if it spins upside down, no, I can't. I, I or can't dueling, do that. Yeah, dueling dragons. That's if it's a massive thumbnail. drop, it's like a, like a sixty to ninety percent drop down, and you're dropping for like oh, thirty like the, seconds. The degrees? That yeah. just terrifies me. Um, but any other kitty roller coaster, I'm on. <laughs> well, and I mean, Ray's roller coaster advice. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but I I know I've said it to a lot of people is. I don't know about the, the, the mental side of things, mm-hmm. but for generally speaking, physiologically speaking, if you're going on a roller coaster, especially if it's one that you haven't done before or you have anxiety about, um, the thing that people do unconsciously is they hold their breath or they scream. But either way, it has a similar reaction you're in the stomach. Respirating. It causes your stomach to tighten. And so you keep this tightness in your stomach the whole ride. Mm-hmm. And then you get off the ride and you're like, oh, wow, I made it. I'm okay. I'm on terra firma. Maybe yeah, you kiss the ground. And then it relaxes, and that's when things start moving. So if you're worried about throwing up because of a ride, um, and I mean, I've felt that pressure. Yeah, I've never awesome. done it. But I, I get where it comes from. I, I feel it. And so my idea is every time I feel myself going over sort of a drop or coming up, I force myself at that moment to, to breathe. I, I, it's like a reminder. It's like or either going down or going up. Force yourself to breathe, and then you'll feel fine. And then you won't be distracted by this pit in your stomach, and you'll be actually able to see what's going on and maybe enjoy what you're doing a little bit better. So that's just my personal roller coaster tip. I also uh, find okay. to sit in the, if you're in, unfamiliar with the ride, it, to sit in the middle if you can. Yes. Uh, that way you can kind of enjoy the ride, but you're not you're not seeing the drop like from like you know from first hand perspective because you're just kind of just being pulled into it, um, and and you're not being whipped around like you are on the back, which I prefer the back because you get whipped around like crazy. Um, and so um, no, though you. you gotta be careful no. when you do that though because there was this one time when I did that uh, the roller coaster here in Vancouver and I yeah I whipped around in the back uh, we all we went with Webb we went to Playland and I think you were there that one time we forced Rena to go on uh, the roller coaster ride the very first time ever. And she like jumped up and and you don't remember that? I oh my god! I'll remind remember you that, that story because no. uh, you were definitely there for that. I was I was there. Oh, you're totally you were there very much there for that. We all like forced Rena to go on the roller coaster and I we like blocked her and stuff all. like that so she couldn't see the read the signs and stuff like that and 
And she finally went on the ride. It was her first time ever. She was 17, 18 years old. And she gets off the ride. She's like, oh my god, I survived. And then like a balloon popped right like 10 feet from her. And she's like, what was that? And she like, jumped like 10 feet in the air. It was fantastic. <laughs> I don't remember that. I wouldn't. Re- was, I wouldn't oh my god. Why don't I remember that? It was, it that was such a, I'm, I'm like 99% positive you were there. Like you were like one of the, the oh. ringleaders of, of this whole making her go. And I Eddie, don't remember that. Oh, dude, it was like yeah, it was, it was like 15 years ago though. Oh, well, so, they, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't remember what I did yesterday, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but no, there was, years ago. that that same day though, um, um, I'd gone, we'd gone up on the roller coaster again, and I went with Kevin, and um, we were at the very, very, very back, and we both decided we were gonna go with eyes closed and hands up in the air the entire time. And so that's great and it's fun because you can't see and anticipate the ride, the drops. I mean, if you know the ride enough times, you can kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah. But I was on the uh, on the inside of the track and uh, there's this turn where we were whipping around I guess we were whipping to the left and so Kevin kind of slammed into me right and I slammed into the side and actually cracked my bottom three ribs because uh, I because I and I didn't I was like oh, that hurt and then just kind of went off and went on about my business and it was like a two three weeks later that I actually had to go to the hospital and get x-rays and found out yeah like bottom three ribs had cracked like there's nothing you can do about it but so like to this day, I still get like every now and then I get pains. Is uh, it still? It's not still cracked. Obviously, it's healed. Now. Well, yeah, it's healed, but it's like because it's a rib fracture. There's only so much like there's a minor crack. It's like a hairline crack. I mean, they can't they can't repair it or anything like that, right? Yeah. And so it's just kind of you just have to deal with it. And they said rib fractures they don't the pain never really ever goes away. And so every now and then oh, you get flare ups. Like you know how people a little like, bit like my Vatican too. Yeah, or like people, you know, they have knee injuries and it's like raining and it's like, yeah. oh, my bad knee is acting up. And so it's like, the, it's the my bad thing. rib is oh, okay. acting up. And so definitely, um, I don't recommend doing both. Either one is great. Don't do both simultaneously, apparently. I think okay. often on amusement park rides, the most dangerous thing is the other people. Yeah. I mean, assuming assuming <laughs> yeah. the ride operator knows what they're doing. A distracted ride operator is probably more dangerous. But I mean, yeah. yeah, generally speaking, like, you know, um, when you're going on rides, a lot of the rides are weight tested every day mm-hmm. to make sure that they're making their timing mm-hmm. um, m- metrics correctly. And they'll put sandbags in there. So the idea that you need to do something proactively to keep yourself alive the sandbag can't do that. Yeah. Uh, and the sandbags don't fall off and they do this kind of testing every day. Now, I can't say for every ride that that's the case, but mm-hmm. that's the case for a lot of rides. And so sometimes managing your anxiety is, mm-hmm. is reminding yourself of facts like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I find it sometimes helpful. Another thing is if you're on a roller coaster, don't sit behind a drooler. <laughs> Somebody, somebody who screams and drools at the exact oh same time. Yeah. I've never and, and if you that. do, bring a towel. Oh my, have you experienced that? Is that a thing? Yes. Oh my god. It is horrible. Yes. Yeah, being splattered with somebody else's drool. But, See, I mean, but I'm, the I'm best not, way to get back at them, me, very but... best way to get back at them, have a couple bolts in your hand. And just when you come to a stop, show them, by the way, these fell off your seat. <laughs> Oh, As you're wiping away, do that. Uh, that was a joke. Don't do that. It, was, it was a joke. Yeah. No, no, don't actually do that. There. Don't actually do that. But yeah, I have sat behind a drooler. Wow, and it's yeah. it's not fun when they're screaming no, I, and drooling at the same time. Not fun. No, that's, I mean having been vomited on 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 rides, I can. But, uh, but the drooling that seems. I haven't been vomited worse. on. No, I was Grab actually time. I was actually in Paris, France, mm-hmm. Disneyland <laughs> Paris, which is I highly recommend it. go to Disney if you like love Disneyland. Go to Paris. Go there. It's great. Is it and very busy? It's very busy. Really? Very busy. We've I'm all heard the stories when it first launched. Euro Disney was empty and stuff. No. And like, I don't no. think I ever fully purged no. that image from my yeah. mind of an it empty is, Disneyland. It is in, in not Paris. empty. No. So I went on to this uh, ride it called business this Hotel Hell? Hotel something? Okay. And I, I, I didn't realize 
it was a ride that shoots you up and then drops you down. Because I've been in an elevator twice and I've, I've been stuck. Be a scary ride. Well, I well you know I I thought <laughs> it, it was been a haunted house. I actually knows? thought it was a tour going up. <laughs> so we we go for this tour around this hotel and then we go into this room and it, and it looked like a theater. Oh yeah. Multiple seats and I'm so, so I'm sitting there going looking around going okay oh, well, we like can't go ride. up because there's a roof there. But a elevator perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Or and a drop I, of doom for Americans. Drop of doom. Maybe that was I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. So and I go okay we walk in that way so the we can't shoot forward. And there's walls on either side. And okay, good. And it's going to be a movie theater. I'm thinking, great. I'm going to sit here and just enjoy something that's going to pop up in front of me. No. So like a ride film. Yeah. yeah. So the doors close and we shoot backwards. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh man. And then that's we, awesome. And up we go. Oh, cool. So it shoots you back and then up like an yeah. elevator. And oh. it shoots us up like an elevator. And then it stops at this floor. The elevator doors open. And there's this ghost. I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. The doors close and it shoots us up again. I'm like, okay. Every wow. floor we went up, it was a different character. It was a different ghost of, of a hotel or, you know, the, the hotel inn. Uh-huh. The ghosts of all the old owners, I guess. Wow. And then the doors closed, and then it just drops you. Oh, that sounds so awesome. And if you've never <laughs> tasted does. your stomach before, <laughs> go on this ride. Um, that sounds so, so There fantastic. was a girl in front of me who vomited immediately. Um, I had this little pouch. I can call it a man purse if you want. I like had a taken fa- it a off. Fanny pack? It was or was a fanny... it like across the shoulder? No, it, was, uh, well, it could have been across the shoulder, but I had it around my waist. I took it off and I okay. laid it on the floor in front of me. And as we dropped down, it went to the ceiling. So as you're looking up at your fanny pack, you're wondering, <laughs> okay, this, this is not good. And then it would stop at a floor, the doors would open, you know? I'm like, okay, that, that was nice. No more. It bring you back up again. Mm-hmm. For about 10 minutes, it felt like an hour. But I think it was about 10 minutes. Just up and down, up and down, dropping you down. And it would drop you down and shoot you up and then drop you down again. Yeah. um, Hotel hell. Um, Anything to do with a hotel that's large and you hear people screaming. Don't go in. No. Oh, Mike, you need to go check out the mummy ride at Universal Studios. Oh, I don't know. Didn't we do that? I think we did that. No, I think we did do that. Yeah, yeah. That was the one where it was dark and it was like, your souls belong to me. That's fine. As long as you don't drop. No, there Suddenly, there wasn't that much of a. Drop. I'm okay with that. If it goes yeah, up there was and an abrupt down, stop, and then there was like the 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 um, the, the strobe light, strobe lights with and, a bunch of and there was like fog. video stuff. Yeah, fog. Yeah. But, yeah, but the pretend like, like critters or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah we did that. Fine. As long as it just doesn't drop you and you and you see all your articles shooting up to the ceiling. You're yeah, like, no, you have that little they, pouch. You, know? you had the little. We had that little. There was that mesh pouch that you could put yep. your stuff in on the mummy ride. Yeah, uh, we've done that. We've done that twice. Once with you, and then I've done that with Sam. Uh, okay, and I, I'd done that you previously. Done that a couple times, yeah. yeah, so I mean, no, that's a good ride. Um, yeah, I think it's very similar I, no. on both coasts because we did it in L.A. and I think you and I've done it in Orlando because you haven't been to L.A. yet. Maybe it's called the December. Hotel of Doom. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds fantastic. It's, that's it sounds fantastic. really awesome. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. <laughs> no, if you're, yeah, no, if you're afraid of heights, which I'm not, I'm just a, have a fear of suddenly dropping because I have been stuck in an elevator twice so far. <gasps> oh, and it's not fun. Fear. That's my greatest fear. I'm claustrophobic. So the idea of, of an elevator I'm not, it's just, shutting I, I, down. I just don't just... want it to drop. And, and there's actually one elevator that scares me more than any other elevator I've ever been in, and that's the planetarium elevator. And I have no idea why, because it's actually a really large and spacious elevator, but for whatever reason, my claustrophobia, even if I'm in there and it's just me and like maybe one or two other people, and it's huge. The thing can fit like 30 people, because the idea is to fit an entire classroom of kids in there, right? And I just like, <gasps> and it's just like, I can just feel like the walls closing in on me for that one. I think I've had just like recurring nightmares with like that particular elevator or an elevator like yeah. that where the walls literally are closing in on me. And so it just it looks exactly, it's just like an exact representation of my nightmare. So every time I go in there and I just, it sucks. I actually like going to the planetarium. Um, but it just, so like elevators, like 
the idea of an elevator closing down yeah. and like shutting down. Like yeah. you watch those because I mean that's that's a common trope in in you know, sitcoms, right? Yeah. Is oh someone got stuck in the elevator. What's what's Fresh Prince gonna do to get himself out of here this time? Yeah. It's happened at least once. Um, Re- that happened on Fresh Prince. Uh, I, do I think not remember I think that, that was when Nikki was being born. Wow. Um, okay. And okay. and like Phil and uh, Phil and uh, Will were stuck in the elevator. Okay. Um, and um, so it's a bit of a trope, but I mean, for me, I'm just like, it's funny, haha. But I'm just sitting there going, like, oh my god, that's like, I would, I would. Just... And if you do go in an elevator, and there's a sign on the elevator door that says "out of service," and you push the button, and the door opens. Don't get into it, because it really is out of service. Yeah, no, yeah. They didn't forget to take the sign down. It really is out of service. Trust me on this. Yeah, uh, they should have done. I a made bit that more. mistake. They should have been done a little bit more to make that obvious, because, well, I mean, they're assuming everyone can read and read English in that situation, right? Yeah, but why would the door open if it says out of service and it's all lit up yeah, and it everything looks up normal? Because you need to do yeah. a lock-up tagout, including yeah. someone didn't lock it up properly. No. Nope. Yeah. And then, yeah. of course, I get in the elevator and it's doing this, all like, up and down, up and oh. down. Oh, oh my... Oh. Oh, it's horrible. The elevator at the hotel we were staying at the other day. Uh, that one freaked me. And me and yeah, out. I, you notice how oh, I used the stairs. Yeah. After that. Yeah. No, it's like it was like unless I could have, unless it was unavoidable, I was just not like after yeah, that first no, elevator ride. Yeah. I'm like, nope, just yeah. nope. And then another time like, is when you're in an elevator, you go to your floor and the door doesn't open. Yeah. And nope. There's nothing you can do. Nope. So you push a button and it goes to the next floor. Door nope. doesn't open. Yeah. Nope. That, that was fun. Nope. No, it wasn't. Well, I guess I have been stuck in an elevator one time. Um, I was working um, at a department store, and uh, I was a sales associate for a few years, and so I started helping out with the inventory teams. And so I didn't have really, like, the back-of-house training, or I don't know what you'd call it, but... Um, and so there was a freight elevator that I had been taking a couple of times, and I didn't realize that it needed a special key outside of certain operating hours. And oh. so I got into it, and I think it was between floors when those operating hours happened, and then it just kind of stopped. Oh. And it's a freight elevator that has a wireframe cage around it. Ah. So I had my cell phone, and this was many years ago, though. So it was like, I don't know, 99, 2000, 2001, maybe. Uh, maybe as late as 2003, I'm not sure. Um, but it was many years ago, and so I was having difficulty getting a cell phone signal out. To the Faraday cage. Exactly. Um, so the, 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 the wireframe is something known as a Faraday cage. It takes the signal and disperses it across this, the cage, which uh, means that you can't connect to the tower or whatever to send your message. I was eventually able to, like, I think it was my old ClearNet phone. I was able to get, like, the antenna out the, out the cage. <laughs> And call somebody and be like, but I didn't even know the locals, so I had to like go through the directory and like try to spell people's names and oh, whose phone does the inventory guy have today? Because no. uh, they didn't have phones associated with them all the time. They would borrow like a supervisor manager's phone mm-hmm. after hours. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I eventually got some assistance from someone. I wasn't in it for more than, I don't know, 12 minutes or something. Uh, I was more embarrassed, I think, than afraid. I don't have a big fear of it. Actually, it's kind of funny. Someone who's interested in storytelling is, um, you just say it's a trope that people get trapped in elevators. Uh, sometimes I think that it's it's a good plot device. Um, what is it? I think it's uh, uh, You've Got Mail. Uh, they have mm. a really good scene where they get trapped in an elevator, and so it becomes this character scene. Um, that, yeah, it was a nice character development moment in and, that one. Yeah, so they have nothing to do but talk to each other. I'm a big fan of 24, and I'm very excited that 24 Legacy is coming out. Okay. Um, so it's a whole new cast, but it's in the, it's in the same universe. There's currently, from last I read, there's no crossover, but there is. Um, Twenty four. So it's Jack Bauer again. Well, that's the thing. It's, it, it's it's the whole new cast. So there's no Jack Bauer. There's some new guy. It's this Jack guy. Jack Bauer two point Sort of. Oh. I mean, it's not the same character. It's not a reboot. It's yeah. a continuation, but with new characters in the same universe. So there's a guy coming back from war. Um, and he's coming back to L.A. and CTU Los Angeles. He ends up contacting because of threats against his life. Okay. And that's where the clock starts ticking, basically. 
Um, and so anyways, people would often ask me, 24 is one of the longest running television series of all time. In fact, in the suspense genre, in its second to last season, it surpassed the Avengers, um, not, really? not Marvel's Avengers, but the UK spy show. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's actually the longest running show in its genre. And I would still like to see more. Uh, I'd love to see more Jack Bauer in a different role, not necessarily being the frontline guy with the gun, but maybe the guy at Division or something. Um, but anyways, Kiefer Sutherland is on as an executive producer, although I don't know if that's just a rights thing, how involved he truly is, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yep. Um, some of the casting I know looks pretty compelling. People always say, there's 24, it's, it's been so many seasons, it had the TV movie, it's done all this stuff, what more could they possibly do? And I always come back with, Jack Bauer's never been stuck in an elevator. Uh, and I think that that would be interesting to see him because he would be he would be frustrated at his inability to do stuff. He'd probably be trying to manage everything over his phone. Um, but I think that would be slightly different, you know, yeah. way of seeing the character. We're often seeing him driving and wishing he could be there sooner, but he's still actively able to do something yeah. mm-hmm. to improve uh, the situation and dispel his anxiety. And he's on the phone with people, whatever. I want to see him stuck and unable to move but able to communicate maybe in a limited fashion, um, you know, add some drama, you know, the signal cuts in and out or the, you know, the phone, uh, uh, the battery's dying or something. I mean, that'd be a trope, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of dramatic opportunity. And so, I mean, if, if I'm a nobody, no nothing audience member, and I've thought of that, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, potential storytelling. Uh, I know that they've got, um, Manny Cotto is back. Uh, I believe, um, a lot of the original people who worked on the show, I think Howard Gordon and some other people, uh, are oh, back. Gordon. Oh, okay, that's yeah, good. Yeah, so they, they've, they've got the band back together uh, mm-hmm. for the most part, but I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. And uh, that's the funny thing. I've Other than that one time, if it even counts, I've never been trapped in an elevator. And I have to admit, I don't want to be trapped in an elevator. I want to make that abundantly clear. No. Uh, I am in no way asking fun. for that. But I, I wonder what it would be like to be there with one or two other people and just kind of, you know... I don't know. It's maybe it's a little perverse, but kind of like see what kind of stress reactions happen and how you can cope and how you might be for me. I'd be curious how I'd be helpful and how would I cope? It's, it's a question like I don't want it to happen, but I, I wonder sometimes like I step into an elevator, it makes a weird sound or it kind of, you know, moves a little bit. And I'm like, you know, what if what if we're stuck in here? What kind of what kind of test is that? Is that a test of character? And how, how would I respond? I honestly don't know. And I don't think you can know until you're in the moment. So I just have a fear of dropping. I just have a fear of it dropping numerous yep. floors and not being able to do anything. Well, and one thing I would suggest you watch is um, the Mythbusters did an episode where they were trying to identify a lot of... I think they were trying to ask, answer the question, if an elevator is dropping, if you jump up, is that going to improve or decrease your chance of survival or help you avoid injury? Uh, in fact, I think that might even be coming back a little bit to uh, the You've Got Mail bit, where at one point they were like, oh, well, I'll jump up. The elevator will think this is empty. The, the doors will open. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. It was funny in the movie because it, it was just a ridiculous yeah. notion. But again, you're in a high-stress situation. You're not thinking clearly. Everybody tried it, and they did nothing. Um, and so it was very funny in that movie. But, I, you know, so the Mythbusters decided they're going to test this. They're going to, you know, try and find a way to get their dummy to do these different things. Yeah. Uh, and so they went to the oldest building that they could find that was uh, uh, scheduled for demolition. And it had a very old elevator, so they're like, okay, this is like older, less safe technology. It's been, it's under disrepair. The building had been disused for decades. They couldn't get it to drop. They were trying to have, there's so many redundancies um, in place on an elevator in terms of actually causing it to drop that they were, they were attaching micro explosives to the various safety things and blowing them and they still couldn't get the elevator to drop. Or if it would, it would, it would drop like half a floor. So these were, these were guys who were very intelligent and scientific in their methodology and approach, and they couldn't cause the elevator to drop 
with their best efforts. Imagine that's a somewhat similar principle to how like subways work too, and like the, how the trains themselves work, and the, all the redundancies are put in place. Yeah. So I mean, it just it's it's pretty much the same principle. It's just one's vertical, one's horizontal. And yeah. Obviously, the difference is the cable. But the thing lines. is that with the trains, if one thing fails, there's always a backup. There's it's, always well, that's the same. But the, the principle is the same, yeah. right? And yeah. So it just yeah. you, it's you like know, I mean, double, yeah. triple redundancy. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, Anyways, getting back to Q and A, Karen's second question, which is somewhat related to the first, she said, uh, "Give us the good, the bad, and the ugly about cruising." I think we've done a pretty good job of talking about the bad. Yeah. Um, the good, we can go on a lot about. Yeah, the food. Um, food. food. <laughs> Everyone says the food. Fantastic. Yeah, the food is. You, yeah. you, you almost wouldn't expect the food to be that good because you. I mean, you can get like flat iron steaks. As many as you want every yep. night, and Doesn't so you cost almost you, you would, and yeah. You, yeah, and you would almost expect them to kind of reduce the quality as a result, but it really, really isn't. I mean, it's no. it's, it's well, you know, it's cooked to perfection. I mean, they use they use you know high grade, you know, really good cuts of meat. Mm-hmm. Um, they use really, really good vegetables and like yep. fresh, uh, fresh ingredients, fresh product. Um, um, uh, uh, how they source product, I don't know. And I, Honestly, I don't care. I'm not one of those people that really cares about things being locally sourced. I'm sorry, that makes me a bad person, but I just don't care. It's a lot of effort, I um, find. Yeah. I, I it, care, but I, I just don't have that amount of available time. Yeah. I, I don't have that made of available income. Uh, locally sourced, yeah. uh, you know, tends to be more expensive. So yeah. it depends. Sometimes fruit and vegetables. Yeah. Um, you know, here in Vancouver, we go to Hop on Farms, mm-hmm. and uh, they often have uh, fresher, better stuff at a at a, at a discount comparable for price. many things. Yeah, it's comparable. I don't know if it's necessarily cheaper, but it's certainly comparable. The market has been changing yeah. recently. That's true. But um, um, yeah, no, the, the food is fantastic. The the staff is always is, is always great. I've I've never really had any. I don't really recall ever having any real problem with any of the staff. No. I mean, if anything. Um, I recall this, the staff that really stand out. Like we had um, on our last cruise together, um, we had a fantastic room uh, uh, room steward, yeah. Larson. Uh, Larson on, on the yeah. sunshine. Um, and and yeah, he was the same. And and he like we had two separate rooms, one for Ray and I, and then one for um, Julian and my, my mother in law. Um, and like my mother in law, the first night, um, she's like, "Oh, where's the fridge? Um, I'm just you know want to keep my son's my grandson's water cold." Um, and so he brings her like a bucket of ice. And then from then on, the entire cruise, every time they did turn down, they had a fresh bucket of ice so that my son's water always stayed cold. Wow. And she didn't even ask. I mean, she was just like, hey, where do I, or where can I get some ice? Yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, I'll do it for you. And it was just like, always. Um, so, I mean, Larson was just, he was fantastic. And I, I mean, and at one point, like, Julian got really, really, really ill. And he basically just got really sick into a bucket, like a garbage pail. And I, you know, again, I went to him, I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry. Like, where can I go fill this out? And he's like, give it to me. I'll take care of it. I'll clean it up for you. And I'm like, no, like you really don't have to do that. Like, I mean, thank you, but like, it's my son's puke. Like, I'm not gonna ask you to clean that, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I'm struggling to do this myself, right? Yeah, you can't um, pay me enough. <laughs> and 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 he's just like, and then and then I went to give him a tip, and like I had to force him to take a tip. Yeah. And like, and it wasn't, even, and quite honestly, I was, it wasn't even like I was giving this math. I wasn't like handing him a scene order or anything like that. But like, you know, it wasn't, you know, but it was something, it was a token, right? And he's like, no, no, no. I'm like, no, no, no. You're taking this. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, I mean, I was kind of getting to the point where I'm like, I will be violent if you don't take this. <laughs> All right, you're taking the tip. Um, so he's like, okay, I'm sorry. I'll take the tip, Charlie. Ben, thank you. Um, but, I mean, he was, he was fantastic. And, 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 and we've only been on, I mean, I'm not, you know, kind of cruise veterans like these guys are. I've only been on the two. But I mean, our shop steward on the, or shop, not shop steward. Cabin steward. Uh, cabin cabin steward, steward on the, see, I'm really not a veteran. Um, <laughs> uh, um, on our first cruise, I mean, I can't remember that person's name. I don't think he actually formally introduced himself to me anyways. Yeah. Um, but he was also, again, not a really nice. Um, and, and, you know, the, the entertainment directors, they're great. We had Butch on our, on my first cruise and he was awesome. 
Um, Rich Begovich. Guy, I don't know what's... He's disappeared off the face of the planet the last year. But he was the yeah he was the the carnival uh, he was the cruise director on the Carnival Breeze when we were on board her in December of 2013 and not long after that he was promoted to the head of entertainment across the fleet and so when they were doing some of the uh, recent new show um, rollouts and they were actually breaking the the cruise director used to do both entertainment and cruise director sort of um, in one role and they've broken that now into two and so he was actually uh, the lead on that project and he went to every ship in the fleet to help them transition onto that <laughs> but like as of a year ago I haven't seen him do anything on Facebook I don't know if he's Maybe still he's with Carnival or stuff. yeah he's just dropped off the face of the planet so hope well, he's doing well because he was awesome one of the uh, it could be bad or it could be ugly and Sam I'm really sorry about this but uh, when you're at dinner and you jokingly say oh yes he can have three more of those. This wait, the wait staff will de- they will take you seriously. You're getting three um, more of those. You're getting three, regardless if you're joking or not. Good luck trying to walk it back because that time yeah. with Sam, he, Sam kept saying no, and it yeah. still came. It still came, yeah. So I apologize for that. That, that was a <laughs> joke that went terribly wrong. I wasn't expecting them to bring three more like, plates of this food. You don't kid about stuff like that. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I learned my lesson. So Sam, I'm sorry. But yeah, I mean, they, 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 they really go above and beyond, but they also look for they the do. opportunities to go above and beyond. Yeah. So if it's just an aside or a comment you make and they think there's a chance for me to, you know, do something special for this person, they'll jump all over it. Yeah, yeah. the servers uh, are they really will. Really great Yeah, they're that. fantastic. The, and, the cruising staff is fantastic. And I think they're aware of the tendency of a lot of people to not want to be in imposition uh, or be difficult or whatever. I mean, I, I like, like, I think that I like, I like to think that I'm like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they for those sorts of people they look for those opportunities because it probably means so much more to them because those are people not used to asking for special treatment yeah they're not expecting that so whoa hey yeah and so it stands out quite a bit more i've had the odd um encounter with staff where and it's like two people across 11 cruises or so where it's been a little a little dodgy um there was my cabin steward on board the triumph with sam where uh that video is out where it took a very long time for me to get my luggage it was the only time i checked my luggage with a porter getting onto the ship because sam was doing it i thought i'd give it a try too because he had had some success in the past and so i had my label of my name and everything on it which would have been sufficient for them to find me in their system i'd like to believe given the amount of data they collect on people and i also had the carnival issued tag on there plainly visible easily read everything with my cabin number and everything and it never came to my cabin and after going round and round and you can watch the video for all the details um calling guest services guest services called me to, told me to call this cabin steward cabin steward called me to, told me to call guest services again half the numbers weren't working the phone was often not working went through all that rigmarole to find that it was just sitting in a hallway outside of guest services with my cabin number clearly displayed i can't think of any reason why it wasn't delivered um and so that was a little frustrating because the cabin steward that time really didn't care he seemed to be uh and and it's not like he felt sometimes you 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 get a sense that maybe they're behind the eight ball and they're feeling a little rushed sometimes you can get that sense it's pretty rare um but he just didn't care he didn't feel like he was in a rush he was like why why do you want me to deal with this he didn't say that but Mm -hmm. like that was his 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 body language and and the way he spoke and i think there's been two times when i've been in restaurants where i've got wait staff that yeah didn't gel for that, whatever that, that reason. First, uh, yeah. Our first uh, uh, dining time with your mom. On the sunshine, that yeah. Was, that was brutal, actually. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, mean, I mean, the thing is, I mean, you have so many positive experiences that you have to kind of, like, sit there and fight to remember which one was a negative one. And it's yeah. like, it's like, I mean, it's, but, I mean, yeah, that one was, that one was pretty, that guy did not want to be there at all. And, yeah. and his, his superior, his supervisor 
knew he didn't want to be there and was very vocal about the fact that he knew he didn't want to be there and they in front of us yeah right. they, yeah they just basically gone to a fight like an argument a disagreement very very loud one yeah. um and i mean i can understand they're under an intense time pressure so maybe they don't have the opportunity to take somebody aside somewhere in the kitchen and have that conversation maybe it's too loud or whatever mm-hmm. but having disagreements with your coworkers in front of the customers is is inappropriate but again calling it's, them stupid idiots yeah, I mean, and like yeah. I said, I've been on I've been on eleven cruises, and so I've encountered twice where the wait staff had an argument in front of me with each other, um, and one time that I had a cabin steward who was disengaged, and that's about it. One thing that I've noticed is on the sunshine when we had that, and I think I also had that on one or two of my meals on the glory. It always seemed to be uh, on the periphery, which is weird. Like they were, I think they were on the sunshine. Was the restaurant at the back of the ship? It was at the back of the ship, yeah. So on the glory and the sunshine, the restaurant was at the back of the ship, so it was near the engines. And it would have been in the back corners where I was seated. The only times I have ever had a negative experience. Yeah, we were in the middle. So I don't know if that is uh, a, a tip that we could give people. But uh, that's been my experience is that if the restaurant's at the back of the ship, try not to eat uh, near the back corners. Um, Ask get, for the center. Yeah, in the center. And the service always seems to be better in that case. Well, I think, I think they probably in general put their, their, their top people in the center because that's where they're going to have to perform. Like literally perform. Um, because and they're more visible. Well, they're more visible, yeah. um, and and because they actually do dance numbers, uh, they literally yeah. perform. Um, so they're basically on stage. Um, so they have to really kind of put their top crew in the center. So uh, because yeah, I mean yeah, I mean it felt, it felt kind of bad for for his mom because it's like her first ever experience, and she's kind of like really like you guys have been talking this up like crazy, and this is what you're giving me. And they're like, okay, we'll fix this, we'll fix this. And, and then we, we went and. and <laughs> We asked, to be, that, we we asked one, to be seated in the middle. Yeah, we had that one woman from Romania who's, I can't remember her name, but she, oh my God, she was amazing. Yeah. Um, and she would like, um, uh, whenever Julian came, she's like, oh, Mr. Julian, how are things? And and wow. and when yeah. we'd come the next night, because we got her a lot, and she's like, and even if we weren't at her table, she'd come by and start chatting with us. She's like, where's Mr. Julian today? And, and, and she treated him like royalty. I mean, she really, really did. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another guy, Martin. He was one of the head stewards, mm. one of head, one of the head servers there, um, and he also helped out with the evening buffet um, in the Lido deck. Um, and so there's this time where Ray and I were kind of like a, like a midnight snack or something, and he came up and said hi and started chatting up with us and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean they're, they're super super engaging. Yeah. It was it was unbelievable. So definitely 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 the good yeah. is 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 the food and the staff. Staff, um, fantastic. It's, it's, yeah. And the excursions actually are really good. Some of the, some of the excursions kind of transitioning a little bit into the bad. Some of the excursions are really really great and really exciting. They can be a little bit on the pricey side. Um, yeah. Like we have this one that we're gonna more than likely go on. Um, it's the Atlantis cruise uh, or the Atlantis excursion um, when we go to uh, NASA. Uh, NASA, not NASA. Um, <laughs> NASA is space shuttles. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> You're not going to the moon. Not today. Not this time. Oh, one day. Or Mars. Um, well. We'll see what SpaceX we'll see what comes out. Yeah, 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 see what the tech brings out. Um, but um, and it's and it's a really fun because we've done it before and it's a really 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 fun excursion. However, it's like two hundred dollars American yeah. uh, this time around. Yeah. So the, so in the last three years, the prices have gone up by almost fifty dollars. Actually, no, no they've, $40. they've doubled. They've more than doubled. They've more than because doubled. when we went in December of twenty thirteen, it was about. Okay, no, it wasn't it, no, it was it was one yeah, it was like one twenty, one thirty, something like that, yeah. including lunch. Uh, and so now it's like one ninety, including lunch. So it hasn't quite doubled. So it's but gone up by like it's 70, increased yeah. more than fifty percent increase over just three years time. Yeah. Um, and it seems and it seems like because I don't think you get anything different. 
No. So I don't know if it's Atlantis that's raising the rates or uh, and how much of that is, you know, with the economy kind of slowing down a little bit. And, like, I don't know how much all that stuff factors into it. Yeah. Or um, if, uh, like, I mean, obviously, <coughs> obviously expect things to go up a little bit with, again, with the economy being a bit of a downturn and with the inflation and all that sort of stuff. But, I mean, like a 60 to 70% increase in three years, I mean, that's pretty steep. Uh, anything more than 30%, I'm sitting there kind of going, really? Like, I don't know. Like, so it's kind of, I really, really want to go. The people that are coming with us have never been, so they really want to go also. But they're sitting there and they're really kind of questioning whether or not they're going to go because of the fact that that sticker price, I mean, they're having some serious sticker shock right now. And I don't blame them because we're having sticker shock and we've done it before. Um, so we, and so it's just like, it's, it's fun, but it's worth $200 American. So for us, it's really going to be closer to $300 once you factor in uh, conversion yeah. all that sort of stuff. And there's three of us that want to do this. So, I mean, that's nearly a grand for a one day experience. I could buy a lot of Amiibos. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, a lot of, and a lot of pops. Um, Funko pops, not, not soda pops. Um, I like soda pops. Yeah, soda pops too. Yeah. We can buy another power. So that's that. That for me is a bit of a drag. I'm kind of I'm I'm a little sad that they're they're kind of it's it's getting borderline gougy. Yeah. Well, and so the ugly we want to be clear is the price of the excursion. The excursion itself oh, is fantastic. absolutely awesome. fantastic, yeah. and it could be a case of getting what you pay for. Um, I think it could be a supply and demand situation as well because I remember on the breeze when we did it, the amount of people going to Atlantis it was enormous. There was tons of like it was a huge crowd. Yeah. It was probably more than half of the people in the lounge where you meet up before you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's easily three, four hundred people going. Yeah. And so there and there were tons of buses. And then when we got there, the weights for a lot of the slides were substantial. Yeah, that's true. Mike, when I went with you, and that was after the pre the pay increase where we paid like 190 to yeah. go to Atlantis, yeah. um, there was maybe two or three busloads of people. Yeah, it wasn't it that was, much. It was less than... Yeah, and I found the lineups were... Yeah, but the, the thing is, though, I mean, it's just like you're kind of creating that problem, right? I mean, you, you're making this the, because the supply is the demand has gone down. Obviously, you're you're going to increase your prices, price, yeah. um, which actually makes no sense, though. It's like really, demand goes down, you lower your prices, yeah. Um, because there's uh, it's it's if the demand goes up, you raise your prices. You know, yeah. like that's that's what they do with oil. The demand for demand for oil goes up. Uh, you 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 spend. I mean, I don't know. You're the economist, not me. Well, uh, it's the problem is is that the, you're talking about a commodity, and this is a luxury yeah, good. Yeah, that's true. And so uh, Atlantis bills itself as a luxury resort, it and is. so I mean, I don't want to stratify this at all, but if you were staying at Atlantis, paying like two hundred dollars a night just just to be having the room there, and including and that would probably include access to the water park, and then you notice that like the cruise ships all come at like ten eleven, and suddenly the lineups are like an hour plus for all the slides then it might not feel as luxury to you because of that weight. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I don't want to say that, y'all, you know, like, the, the cruise riffraff has shown up. I Like, I never get that sense when I'm in Atlantis. I don't feel stratified. I don't feel like I'm looked down on by either the staff or the hotel guests. Yeah. So, I mean, it seems very egalitarian from a guest standpoint. But you have to wonder if maybe to keep that luxury sort of approach... Maybe they've restricted the availability so that it feels like more of a pampering for the people who are there. Um, yeah, I suppose. So it's possible that Atlantis may have reduced because Atlantis sells day passes on their own, um, but they they do restrict the supply of the day passes to the water park. They're they are cheaper, I think, than what you get from Carnival, but they don't include the transportation to okay. and from. And, and you the, don't have the guarantee of getting back in time. And you don't yeah. have the guarantee of getting in at all because they don't post. Uh, what their what their volumes are, or there's not much information as to when these are no longer available, when they've reached whatever capacity they've set. Mm -hmm. So you'd be really rolling the dice in trying to do that day of. Mm -hmm. And you might make the trip there, pay to take the cab or whatever, to get you to Atlantis to find out you can't do the water park, 
now you're there. What are you going to do now? Maybe you'll go walk around. Maybe you'll do the beach day. Maybe you'll go see the museum or the I lawn mean, or whatever. There's a marina or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. The, the aquarium the thing. Aquarium, yeah. uh, and so those have costs associated with them too. I don't know how comparable those are. So it's a it's a risk. But the thing is, is it is it is also a luxury good, right? That's true. Yeah. Uh, we have been blessed and spoiled with the ability to go on cruises, and a lot of people aren't able to take multiples, like that fellow on the mm-hmm. on the Sunshine who had saved up for his his one trip. Um, it's actually kind of a running gag with Sam. Sometimes we hear, we overhear somebody saying like, oh, you know, this is, this is, this is my once in a lifetime cruise. Like they're never, ever going to do it again. And admittedly, we chuckle at that for a couple of reasons. And part of it is I think, yeah, okay, admittedly, we are very fortunate um, and uh, in that we have, you know, uh, jobs and stable lives that we're able to go and take the time and, and afford these things. But I think the other part of it is, too, is that we know how cheaply it can be done in a lot of cases. Yeah. $24 cruise is a great example of that. Yeah. Um, and I was I was on that, and I heard the odd but people. how often does that happen, though? The I mean, that, that, well, that, that was that anomalous. Was that was anomalous. Yeah. yeah, that was anomalous, but to be still, sure. It is, it is cheap, though. You can make it cheap. Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, if you want to go on a cruise, uh, on a first cruise, uh, I think a four day is a fantastic way to start. Just enough to get you hooked, uh, get you hooked on it. And also, um, the costs you could, you could get a four day cruise for the cruise rate of 179, 199 in that range if you're flexible on your dates. And so it's stuff like that. It's, it's so I, I think about these people who are going on a four day sail out of Long Beach to Catalina and Ensenada, which don't get me wrong, I love it, it's lovely, but it's not super luxury in mm. my experience now. Although it felt like it the first time, of course. Um, but realizing that, you know, if, if you're flexible in your dates and you can get it at a pretty low price, if you're not picky about your cabin, location, or type, then you can you can do these things on a relative budget. Yeah. I mean, obviously not on super low budget, but it's a lot more affordable than I think people uh, feel. And so that's one of the reasons that we Especially do... Especially if you live in a port city, too. I mean, this guy oh, this yeah. guy lives in a port city. Like that, that guy who's like, oh, I saved up for years. I mean, he, he's from Port Canaveral, basically. I mean, he, we heard, yeah. heard him say that. So it's like, you don't have to fly. <laughs> if there were more sailings out of Vancouver on Carnival, I would be diamond by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, would, I would be doing that all the time. Yeah. Uh, the only ones out of Vancouver are uh, repositionings that involve either Alaska or Hawaii. And so those are more expensive. Um, yeah. Alaska, on a daily rate, is much more expensive. Yeah. I'm not entirely certain why. It could be restricted supply because they don't go all year. Um, and, you know, they're, they're longer and more expensive. So I don't do that very often. Is it a fantasy, fantasy flute? No, uh, no. I believe it's often spirit class. Spirit class. Yeah. Um, well, I think for the sailings, and I haven't been to Alaska yet, but I think the sailings need to have sort of a lot of covered area, and so um, a lot of and you can't you can't you can't cover the pool on Lido on a fantasy class that that's open. Oh, and okay. so if you're in Alaska, yeah, it's gonna be cold. That's gonna that's gonna freeze. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's I mean, where like half when, of the depends on when you go. <laughs> it's, not, it's not permanently frozen Alaska. Let's just be clear. It has like a lot of it has seasons, has just seasons. like. We're, but we're not we're not we're not speaking from personal experience. Yes. But I yeah. would imagine I don't care if it's August, uh, and I'm sailing to Alaska. I figure by the time I get to Alaska, I'm probably not going to want to eat on one of those tables on on Lido that's in the pool area, yeah. at, you know, for breakfast because it, <clears throat> it's probably going to be cold. I yeah. would think mm-hmm. uh, because I mean I've been in the Caribbean. <laughs> and it's been a little too cold to eat on Lido on the odd occasion. Like, if it's really early in the morning or late at night. Yeah, oh, yeah. And so for the fantasy class, I would say a third of their seating. I might be exaggerating that slightly, maybe more like a quarter. But they've got a bunch of seating outside. They've got those little restaurants, like, where we get the cheese fries. Oh. Those cheese <laughs> fries are so good. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And that, well, that's one of the benefits of the smaller uh, ships. You go on the fantasy class, 
and uh, you think, oh, it's not going to be as good as like a dream class. And, you know, that's true in a lot of different ways. But in some ways, uh, the smaller ships do have some advantages over the larger ones. Um, the Funship 2.0 upgrades often include converting the, uh, the grill, whatever it's called, where you get the cheeseburgers and the cheese fries into um, a Guy Fieri's... Uh, Is that like Pirate Bay or something? No, that's not, that's not Pirate Bay. Oh, the, pir- the Pizza Pirate? P- oh, Pizza Pirate. That's what I was thinking of. Okay, no, yeah. that's not what it is. No, no. Uh, the, pizza, the Pizza Pirate's on all, all the ships. So I'm talking about the place where you get the burgers. And so if you're on a fantasy class, you know, it's a simple burger and you get cheese fries and, and chicken tenders and stuff like that. Yeah. Where if you're on a larger ship that's more modern and gone through the fun ship 2.0 upgrades, that'll be replaced with the Guy Fieri's, which is great. Those burgers are fantastic, but they have burgers and fries and that's it. No chicken tenders for you. No cheese sauce. So there's that. I, I had a conversation with somebody, um, I think it was on the fascination maybe. The guy that thought he recognized me, the waiter. And one of the things he was talking about when we were eating there is he says he hates working on the big ship. Because if you ask for something that's on Lido, then he has to go, it's like a half hour hike to the other end of the ship to get what you want and come back. He wants to work as a waiter on the smaller ships because everything is really close. And so he finds it easier to fulfill special requests. If you want something that's only available up on Lido, he can go run and get it right away and it's no problem. Whereas doing that on a dream class, he's got to make sure he's got coverage and all this kind of stuff. He might not be able to fulfill the special request. So... Okay. You know, don't uh, sizes and everything. <laughs> um, in terms of uh, in terms of the ships, there's pluses and minuses uh, about both. Yeah. So every, everyone says the food is go- is the good. Uh, I agree. I also would like to throw in the comedy club, the entertainment, the uh, uh, piano yeah. bar is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we, we I love... have yet to have good success with the piano bar. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you look um, carefully on if you if you put some effort into it, you can find the piano bar schedule. Uh, online, it's often on Facebook or on um, John Heald's blog. Uh, okay. It can be a little difficult to find, maybe on Cruise Critic. Um, but if you can find it, two names we really recommend that you look out for is Gustavo. Yeah. Uh, he's hilarious, and he's he also he's yeah. also very good. But he's he's very funny. Yeah. And um, Natalie Carboni is absolutely amazing. She blows the doors off the place. Yeah. Um, you know, she's like she's easily in the same vocal league as like a Sarah McLaughlin or Celine Dion or, or Adele. Or, yeah, I think I I, I think she's way better than Adele. I actually think she sings better than Adele. Yeah, by by far. Yeah. Uh, and so the fact that that you're able to get that quality entertainment on some cruise ships, if you can find it, do it. She's yeah. she's on the imagination right now, but she's off before we go in December. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, those are two names that we highly recommend you check out if if you care about uh, your piano bar entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing you were mentioning earlier is you said the food is always fresh. That's because they're. They're turning over 3,000 yeah. guests yeah. every four to eight days, yeah. depending on the sailing. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. food, just it's, it's just fresh because there's no time for it to sit and get old. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know how much intent is behind that. I think it's just the reality of the situation on a cruise ship. There's no time for it to, to, to get old. And I think extra weight uh, requires extra fuel. So they probably don't carry... You know, they probably don't stockpile and freeze a bunch of stuff. I don't no, think... No, I don't think... No, I, I don't I, think I, it, it wouldn't be practical. Yeah. I don't think they'd end up saving money, so... Yeah. Yeah, uh, so, you know, food, good, entertainment, good, uh, safety briefing, bad, but necessary. Comedy club, good. Comedy club, good. And I think ugly is uh, some of the prices for excursions, but yeah. again, it could be a case of, uh, yeah. you know. If you're a gambler, the casino is good. Yeah, yeah but then, the, then there's the smoking. That's like, that's like the yeah, one that's curious, smoking. and yeah, it's just that, like, that sucks. That, that, that was, that's the one thing that really sucked about the um, the sunshine that we were on, because the only the way... The layout was weird. The, the layout was really, really bizarre, because it was... Because, um, yeah, the, the casino was in the middle, but and uh, and the uh, dining area was in the back, but the only way you can queue up to get your name into the into the dining area 
was if you basically walk through the casino and line oh. up through the casino, the line up for the for the dining room on deck five on on promenade deck, I believe on on yeah. the, on the sunshine. Yeah, uh, the the you have to you have to check mm-hmm. in on a different deck than the actual restaurant. Yeah, so deck three is where the restaurant is, and it's right on the sense. cusp of the casino. So if there's any kind of a line, you're in the casino. And a bunch so we of people... were always eating at like five o'clock, basically, because we were like with with all the seniors. Well, granted, everyone was seniors um, on that cruise. Something uh, about Bermuda seems to draw an older crowd. I couldn't explain it. A very old, very white crowd is very bizarre. Yeah, not a lot of diversity on that exactly sailing, on. which was, was which was like... surprising. Yeah, because I mean, normally, normally when you go on the cruise, yeah, you see like a lot of diversity. You see a lot of people from all different, uh, you know, ethnic backgrounds, economic yeah. backgrounds, uh, economic even. backgrounds, yeah. um, um, racial backgrounds, racial, gender I like backgrounds, that because you get to meet different people, and it's everyone's has their own personalities, and it's. Definitely one of the goods. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, this, definitely the, one of the goods. Yeah, the the, the the Sunshine Cruise was a very very old white crowd. Yeah. Um, it was not necessarily still a, a lot of nice thing. people. It, yeah, yep. I mean, still, but, it but was, the casino was very popular. <laughs> the casino yeah. was really really popular. I, I remember I was at um at the deli uh, trying to get a late night snack, and this lady was just standing standing in line with, and uh, she's sitting there, and and we she and I both happened to be at one of the um um events of the main stage, and she won a trophy. And so we were kind of we were kind of bonding and talking about that, and I was kind of like, "Oh, hey, you know, I was there for that. It was funny, la la." Ship on a stick. And, uh, yeah, ship on a stick. And, <laughs> Classic. And she, um, and I kind of just like looked at her, and I, uh, and I asked her, "I'm like, oh, I'm like, have you been on all of these cruises?" And she's like, "Yeah, it's my like 25th cruise or something like that." I'm like, "You're fine against a little bit of a white cruise," and she's like, "Right." <laughs> <laughs> and so and and she was there with her best friend who happened to be of a different race and stuff like that, and they're like, "Yeah, this is so weird. Like, what the hell, right?" And I'm just like, "Yeah, I don't get it. Like, this is." And I'm like, and I was telling her how we were trying to, you know, one of the one of the things we were saying to my mother-in-law is, you know, the huge diversity that you find again, you know, racial, economic, socioeconomic, uh, orientation, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. They're they're incredibly inclusive, um, yeah. and so and, and they still had all that stuff, um, but it was just it was just you know the I think the average age of that cruise, quite honestly, was probably hovering around the mid sixties. I agree. Um, and it was just like, and so it was great for my mother-in-law because she was able to kind of connect with a lot of people. She made a lot of friends. Um, and, and she was, and every time, every time we met up with her, she was like, oh, so I had this conversation with this person and, oh, I met this person I had this conversation with. Or we're like, oh, that's she, so awesome. She was so enamored with having spoken to a Russian person. She'd never in her life, in her 60 odd years, spoken to someone who was born and raised in Russia. And there was, and so she was over the moon with, with yeah. that exposure. So yeah. even, even with that not very diverse crowd in terms of its appearance and its demographics, she was still able to find, you know. Uh, not, that she was see- yeah. not that she was searching for it, yeah. but uh, absolutely. The funny thing is, is whenever you get a large group of a certain very narrow demographic, there's advantages and drawbacks because they, I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but they tended to behave in certain ways, sometimes unexpected, but as a group, almost like a herd mentality. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Guy Fieri's was always empty. Nobody was mm-hmm. there for the Food Network cheeseburgers. Um, for us at all. Yeah, yeah, I had more cheeseburgers on that trip from, from Fieri's than any other sailing I've been on. And I've been on some pretty like sailings where it wasn't very busy um but the comedy club was always packed even for the late night adult edgy stuff the sushi restaurant was always empty such that they ended up having to um basically the line for the comedy club would completely block off the sushi restaurant and no one would care yeah (laughs) well that's and that's where you saw any kind of diversity was the line out for the comedy club like that's where yeah uh, that's where uh, like if you're expecting, it's like they came out of the woodwork for the, and they're just yeah, like oh my god okay <laughs> this is like this is something that we can all connect on the small bit of diversity and, that and was, there, was, like, was there for that and, and really honestly all the old white people were probably going to bed um, actually I would disagree with that they were still high, they were still well represented in the lineup for the yeah, comedy club surprisingly not quite to so. the same degree though I mean, it was, no it not was, to the same degree 
agree. But there was twenty like percent of them, maybe, and then everyone else was like the younger crowd. Yeah. Um, and I mean the comedy yeah, club, probably the children that went with them, I suppose. Yeah, so. I mean the comedy club. I mean there there were some um, the the after hours one was good. I really enjoyed it. Um, the one I mean the one drawback I found from that I mean it's something that you and I were commenting a lot on is some of the comedians kind of fell back on again. So it's a lot of really easy cheap laugh jokes. Yeah. Um, it's nothing to do with cruising at all. It just to do with comedians. They're funny and it's just like but it's like. Yeah, they're funny if they're original. I've encountered a lot of stolen jokes. Let's yeah. just move on to something else. But Let's I've, not spend else, yeah. 15 minutes on this one bit that everyone has heard. And it's not... Well, and that's that's talking about, like, subject matter that has been really well covered. Uh, when I say <laughs> stolen jokes, I oh, mean legit stolen. stolen like, yeah. you know, setup, delivery, punchline, everything I mean, was s- straight up stolen from somebody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean... Don't get me wrong, that's in the minority. I see mm-hmm. it like maybe 10 to 20% of the time, stolen jokes. And then, you know, another, you know, I don't know, 10 to 20% of the, the, the tired stuff. Um, so I would say 60% of the time, you get somebody who's fresh, original, very yeah. funny, very sincere. They're hustling and it's good. Sometimes it's raw, but in a really good way. Yeah. So, I mean, more often than not, the comedy club is good. And also, like, the stolen jokes, which is, it's a shame, but sometimes I'll hear, like, in a... 40 minutes set I'll hear one or two stolen jokes the rest of it's original and so it's hard to know how to feel because the original stuff was really quite good but then they had to go and ruin it by basically like maybe I just haven't heard their jokes from the original writers and maybe the whole thing was stolen I don't know like it, it brings mm. the whole thing into question the stuff that I've seen on television shows that have been done yeah, yeah and you gotta it's... wonder if maybe like they, they, they heard it but they don't remember hearing it and then so they think it's like it's something that they come up on their own because they're like oh hey hey and then they don't realize that you know it actually is a stolen joke maybe it's not I mean I, I imagine really all jokes are kind of somewhat stolen jokes every every joke is really probably somewhat to a certain degree derived from someone else's joke yeah. uh, you know it's it's um like even i mean like because I mean, you talk about you know who influences you you know the, you know the, the, there are people who are like oh you know george burns and uh george carlin like a lot of the old you know you know greats um and so of course they're going to borrow heavily from these people maybe not necessarily take their entire bits but you know they'll you know i flew you know i just i flew in boy are my arms tired you know and like stuff like that they'll they'll borrow from that just like musicians will do that they'll borrow from from their idols too yeah. right so it's but i mean so I, I i kind of want to give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe it's not quite what it seems but it's but definitely if it's the pattern is the exact same the verbiage is the exact same it's like it's kind of hard to believe that you just kind of forgot yeah even even yeah. that i don't i wonder because you got to think about what I, I don't know anything about this but you got to think about what the writing process is for a comedian mm-hmm. um and if they have any kind of process whatsoever even if it's just keeping a notepad by their nightstand all the time and writing down whatever comes to them like you would know if it came from you like yeah okay you might be inspired by someone's genre mm-hmm. or something you might go see chris rock and be inspired to talk in a similar way about similar subjects but really hopefully doing something original with it um and so, like, I, I think that there's, like, there's being inspired, maybe doing an homage to something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they'd be really clear in the construction of how you came yeah. up with it. Where, you know, it's like, oh, just think of something funny I heard one time. That's not writing. Yeah. That's really not writing. Yeah. Um, and so, like, and you might even get, like, a similar style or genre. Like, uh, maybe in doing a Seinfeld impression, you actually come up with a really good observational bit. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of in the style of Seinfeld. But it could be... You know, it's not what's the deal with airline food. It's, you know, something else entirely, maybe a different subject, but in that kind of a pattern. That would be A-OK. That's Mm -hmm. fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, but if you can't write your own stuff that way, 
just do maybe own business. yeah or you yeah. know what get good at impressions go do a really good christopher walk-in and put them in an unusual place have them buying groceries or something put them put them on the moon in a space shuttle or something yeah. and you don't have to be that creative do that if you can do that i'll laugh and i'll enjoy it you know if you're having trouble writing but don't steal a joke yeah. you know, but again i mean that's got that's it. i mean that's not really i mean it's the not the the cruising thing, it just kind yeah, of, it just, it just, it just who, who they happen to get. Yeah. Right? Well, and, I mean, and same with the same with the piano bar thing. I, I mean, the, the two piano bar guys I've encountered, um, one guy TJ just straight up sucked. Um, he was just not good. He was, tip TJ. he was, I mean, he was a lounge lizard. If ever there was a lounge lizard, and in the worst and, sense and like, of that, like, there could yeah. be a good one. Like, this you know, guy was it's not. like you know when you think of like used car salesman with that really bad yeah. polyester suit kind of guy, like that was, and like the lounge lizard version of that dude. That's who we had, you know. I mean, he had the frosted tips and all this. Oh, he was, just, he was awful. Well, he was so he, bad. He was all talk but no substance. He said a lot, sang very little, but communicated even less. Yeah, he, well, no, he vamped a lot, and it was yeah, just but like, it wasn't was it funny or original. Like Gustavo vamps a lot. Like he's yeah. very funny in his talking yeah. and. And he's got a lot of bits, uh, but that's actually funny and original. This guy was just just not good. Yeah, like we I, we wow. stay, we stuck around for I think one or two songs, and then I'm just like oh, I'm done. I mean, granted, I was sick for a lot of that cruise trip, so but so I mean, for me, it was only that one opportunity. But I was just like, that's all I needed. And then for the Sunshine Cruise, we had Carl, Carl, um, and he, I don't even remember him. Um, yeah, no, he he hated all the songs. Um, and so he basically complained about a lot of the songs that were And not in best. that funny Gustavo way. He no, was like, like he legit, legit hated I the hate songs. this, I'm going to just do this now because I have to. Um, and he didn't and like, know wow, how... you just want to... <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and he didn't know most of his... Uh, most of this, he basically was just like, if I have the song in front, if I have the the, the, the music notes in front of me, then I can play it. He, did, he didn't know them. Like he had um, one of the examples was um, someone requested a million dollars from um, Bare Naked Ladies. And he happened to have the song. It was part of his collection. He had like never ever played the song. He clearly never heard it. He's ne- he's never heard the weird. song, and so he played the song based on what the notes are in front of him, mm-hmm. and it was awful. And so there's like there's like, three Canadians flow. It was really in here, up. and so it was like me, Ray, and I think actually Carol Carol was there too. Yeah. Um. And there's the the Canadian the other Canadian that that requested the song, and we're just like now. I mean, we've just no. I mean, I've I've heard wow. things reinterpreted in a lot of different ways. Like, I was actually kind of blessed with my first cruise that Burton took me on, where we had that amazing guy. I wish I could remember his name. I tried looking him up on Google, trying to find an old cruise director mm-hmm. or a piano bar entertainer schedule. I couldn't find it. But he he'd actually worked with Journey on the arrangement of one of their one of their famous songs. That, can't remember which one it was necessarily. Was it don't stop. It, it might be don't stop or any way you want it. I, I don't remember which one of those it was. I think it was one of those two. He actually had worked on their original arrangement with them in studio. Mm-hmm. On is there um, a way to, to go into those songs and find the credits? Like who made that Ooh. song? It'd be, it might be there. It's possible, but that could be that might be problematic. But it's, yeah, I mean, I could try searching that with 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 like piano yeah, bar performers. Just find, see if there's a match. Just find, yeah, just find the. That's uh, an idea. Yeah, it's a, it's a thought. But anyways, he was he was really good. But he had this kind of it was almost like a carnival sort of you know that kind of carnival sound. And I mean, you can watch the the video where there's little clips of his performance. And so like he did Dock of the Bay that way. Mm-hmm. And so that's not what you're expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and also one of the things I like to do is find the whitest uh, uh, musician on the ship and get them to do a change is going to come because I like irony. Um, oh yeah, Carl didn't like playing that song. Yeah. <laughs> He like outright refused, if I recall. And oh so, yeah, no, he did. Yeah, he's like, I know what, I'm not gonna play it. Yeah, 
Uh, and so I was like, well, I know where else I can be, so I'm not yeah. going to be here. Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, and so, like, if they arrange it differently, then that's fine. Like, what was it? When I requested from Natalie, um, Time After Time, time, after time yeah. she, she didn't... Did she, a... She did a cover of an independent artist who had this tragic backstory who hadn't yeah. lived very long, but it was a very different arrangement. It wasn't what I was looking for or wanted, but I still enjoyed it. And being exposed to a new way of hearing stuff, like, uh, what was it, um, Gustavo did um, a Stone Temple Pilot song on the piano. Plush, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, plush, yeah, yeah. And I, and, and I was yeah, like, was how, does, how does that even work? And he's like, you've, you've never heard it before. And I'm like, never on a piano. Like, I know this song. Yeah. There's no piano part. Yeah. And he's just like, how could, okay, you know, you just wait, I'll get to you in a couple of, like, he, he stopped joking about like, you know, I don't want to play it or this is my last song when he heard me hear that because I hadn't heard his interpretation. Yeah. And when I heard it, it was absolutely amazing. It was amazing, yeah. Um, you know, and actually I think piano bars can do, uh, have some amazing opportunities yeah. for that. Mm -hmm. Some songs that I've enjoyed, not necessarily piano bar, but um, Pet Shop Boys London, there's mm -hmm. the piano version of that, which is available. Um, is It's a whole different song practically with the same words, but it's yep. beautiful. Wow. Um, and at uh, 5440, I was live in concert. Uh, I had like front row uh, floor seats at one point. And they have the song Crossing a Canyon, which is kind of like a rock song, right? Mm -hmm. And so I had actually, I was seated, seated in the front row, standing in the front row. I saw their song sheet, and I could read upside down a little bit. And I saw something that said, Crossing a Piano. And I was like, what the hell is Crossing a Piano? I know their repertoire. That's not one of their songs. It's Crossing a Canyon. And we actually used it in, one, in our first season of videos when we went to uh, Horseshoe Canyon. And so I'm like, I know this song. And so it was basically, they turned it into a piano song where there was just the piano and the vocalist. And I, I don't have a copy of that, but if somebody has it, point me towards it, because I would love that. That mm -hmm. was that was amazing. So you can have these songs that were clearly not written with a piano in mind. Mm -hmm. And so, like a piano bar, if they want to reinterpret it in a different way, and maybe it's not necessarily true to the original, it doesn't mean it's not going to have some quality. Mm -hmm. yeah. But if they're just doing it because they hate life, and that's what this guy was doing with yeah. Million Dollars. It was like, oh. none of it flowed together. It was like every well, word was he, a note sung separately from well, every he, other I, word. I think he and thought he it was a spoken word song. Yeah, and he, and he didn't seem to think it was funny. And he's trying to do the, the, the back and forth between Ed and Steve. And it's he doesn't think it's funny. He thinks they're having a serious discussion about types of ketchup. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah, it was. It was I just it was brutal. I, it was I, painful. It was literally painful. Well, to and watch. like and and wow. Carol had requested a song, and she was so excited about the song that was being played, and then they played it, and she's like, "This is not how the song goes." <laughs> and and she, oh, I mean, no. and she and she tried to put on a brave face, and she really, I mean, she clearly tried to enjoy it and stuff like that, but she was like. This is this is not how the song goes. Well, and I don't even think it was necessarily that it didn't. It wasn't what she expected or what she knew. It was that she just didn't enjoy this interpretation. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't good to her. Yeah, you know, I, I, because I, she did try. And, and so, she, she was so excited when she saw it on the list. She's like, "Oh, they have this song! I'm so excited!" And so she requested it, and and then he played it, and she's like, "What? Oh." Yeah, well, and anyone anyone playing something reluctantly, I mean, how good yeah. is it going to be in yeah. all likelihood? And, and is that guy Although, still at the piano bar? Have you seen his name on any other ships? Uh, Carl, was it? Carl something? I don't know what his last I, name. I, I didn't even remember that much about him. So maybe Carl with a K. Should, I remember that much. You should check the schedule. Yeah. I found the schedule, and uh, that name actually sounds like it might oh, be the hell. person on one of our <laughs> yeah. upcoming sailings. I'm not sure. Uh, I'll double check. Okay. But um, uh -oh. but you know, I mean, always. I, I think I always check out Piano Bar. Give them a couple of songs. Sometimes they will absolutely blow you away. There, 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 there was one song. I mean, give them, for, give them the benefit of the doubt. There was one song that he can't play, played. I can't remember which one it is. And he he generally enjoyed playing that song. And 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 he played it and he played it with gusto and stuff like that as much as this guy could have. Because seriously, I mean, he was done with life. Um, <laughs> and, and and 
and he enjoyed it. And so, and that was what we came into. So we're like, oh, okay, this seems guy seems pretty cool. Mm. And then every single after that, like, he yeah, he was like, well, that was the one song I like. I oh, think he actually said something like that. Oh, Sweet Caroline. Oh my God, he hates that song so much. So, and like, hates it with a why passion. Why is he still doing this if he hates and, it? Like, and, so and, and he's like, oh, every time I, every day I have to play this song, I hate this stupid song. And so like, then take it off your list. They can't. Like, oh, well. Okay, they can't. It's actually interesting. And it, here's a couple, some interesting background. I have noticed that certain songs, a lot of them don't like doing, partly because they probably have to do it every 35 minutes yeah. because that's, you know, Sweet some Caroline new people come in, in and they, they, they always request that. And so, like, Gustavo and also Natalie, they, they, they rationed it out, though. They didn't say they... Well, I mean, they might joke about hating it, but they would do it once or twice a night, and that mm. would be it. Partly because those of us who stay for the whole show would yeah. end up hearing it as many times as they do, so yeah. I kind of get where they're coming from. Yeah. But um, there is the there is a set piano bar. Um, yeah, it's a laminated list. Yeah, there's a laminated list, and so that includes... And it's a menu. Uh, yeah, it includes it's half menu, half song list, and so that includes certain mainstays that they have to be able to do. If you can't do Piano Man, you're yeah. not going to get hired. Um, and then they have their own list. We, sometimes they have their own list, sometimes they don't. Uh, there could be many, many, many more songs. Um, he did not have his own list. Yeah, and so, and that actually, that's probably a pro tip right there. If your piano bar performer does not have their own song list, then be leery. Give them one or two songs, but don't invest a whole half hour into them because they did, clearly didn't come to play. But the thing that's interesting, and I was reading about this recently, I found the entertainer's website for Carnival where you apply to become a piano bar performer. It's part of my searching to find the schedule. Um, they have to. That. They have to audition. Yeah, they, they have, have to audition. audition for they actually have to show a video of them singing, don't well, they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they. Why and, wouldn't they? Though I mean, that makes perfect yeah. sense. Makes, yeah. yeah. Well, no, and it, and it does make sense. But it's just I was reading about that, and I was thinking about some of these guys that I've seen, oh, okay. and I'm like, How did, how did you pass? pass? Yeah. yeah. Or like, how long ago was the audition versus like maybe yeah. maybe you're at the end of your contract? Yeah. And I mean, people are people too. You know, maybe they're sick or something. I try to give them some benefit of the doubt. I mean, they're not going to waste more time on them. Two or three times. Yeah. I would. What if something happens where they have somebody that ready to do the piano bar and they cancel the last minute so now they got to struggle to find somebody they, else yeah they, they, they probably have a, somebody else like, they probably have yeah. like the 18 yeah. then they have a b string and the yeah. c string yeah know? maybe yeah. they have on call people or maybe yeah. they just call up a local maybe that agency that was an on call person maybe yeah. Yeah. yeah like maybe maybe they just call up session musicians mm-hmm. um or something uh when they're when they're important yeah. desperately yeah. that's like, possible just, oh, just and maybe that might be a way to check is to find out like were they truly scheduled for that or if they're not on the schedule then that could be an indication but like gustavo got sick one yes, night. Yeah, she did. I mean, yeah. talented professional guy, despite his sense of humor, which is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Just, that he he threw up in the middle of a performance, and he had well, to, he, actually, he, had, he actually did that. I wasn't there for that, was I? Well, that's what no. we heard because we were yeah we weren't there for that. We came a little bit late, uh, or no, we were there, and he seemed a little off, but he was he was getting through it. And then we went to go do something else. Yeah. I forget what it was. Uh, maybe, it was a comedy club. I think we went to the comedy club right. for a bit, and then we came back. And he was and, and he was wrapping up, and yeah. he put his stuff away and ran out of there. Yeah, uh, just kind of kept his head down. Says sorry, sorry, sorry. He seemed okay, but then the other people who were there, the people from Kentucky, <laughs> Kentucky, <laughs> Kentucky. Um, they it's were saying that he he yeah he like he just like yarfed somewhere like all over the piano or off to the side or something. And so then you ran into him, and he gave a special additional performance that went on for like four hours or something. Yeah. And, on a day that was supposed to be his, his day off. His day off, he actually, yeah. It was, I think it was a longer than usual performance. It was much more personal because it was only the fans that knew he was even doing it. Yeah. Because they didn't put it in the fun times. And the best part was is that the Kentucky girls found him in an elevator. Mm-hmm. The doors just opened and there he was and they all screamed and apparently it scared the crap out of him. <laughs> and, but yeah. the, and that was part of what convinced him to put on a special show because he yeah. wanted to do it but he wouldn't know how to tell people. He doesn't know how to reach them, right? Yeah. And so he told them and then you ran into them and, and so we found out. Well, I, I heard the scream so I yeah. ran up three 
uh, levels to find out what was going on because I'm like nosy. And that's when I found him, and he was literally surrounded by like ten women from Kentucky. And when we were very fortunate that way, like one time I think uh, Natalie got her start time wrong by like forty five minutes early. She started performing, yeah. and we were just walking by, and we're like, we know that voice. She's not supposed to be, you know, <laughs> run up the stairs. Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. And like her boss comes in and he's just like, you're not supposed to be on for like another half hour. Where'd this crowd come from? <laughs> <laughs> well, that voice draws you in. But yeah. Um, yeah, so the only difference about the Gustavo performance, the makeup performance, was that he was in more casual clothes. Yeah. But other than that, it was a performance of his life as far as I could yeah, tell. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a great opportunity. But sometimes you come up craps. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, I mean, they make for fun stories. So, I mean, yeah, it's not, you know, not the most does, ideal yeah. situation or it's not the most ideal. Like, again, even like the TJ thing. Like, I mean, he, uh, the t- song he really enjoyed playing was Don't Stop Believing, but he vamps throughout the entire song. So this girl... He plays two chords and stops. Plays two chords and stops. Yeah. I, I remember, yeah. We're, we're all like... <sighs> yeah, I, know, I remember there was, there was the, uh, the, the, uh, the two young girls, I think they were like early 20, early to mid-20s, and they had requested Don't Stop Believing. And so they were super excited. They're like, yeah, Don't Stop Believing. And... He'd be like, just a small town girl. And he's like, so I remember this small town girl. And she's really, really great. And she's pretty, pretty. And it took him 17 minutes and, to sing the song. And, <laughs> and it did. And, and so, and it, like, it was like, you know, eight, ten minutes into it. And the girl's like, just shut up and sing the song. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, yes, what she said. And, and, so, and he was all like laughing, thinking it was a joke. And, and we're, so like, we, we were, I mean, we were, and so, I mean, the, the four of us, it was Ray and I and, and the two girls in front of us. And we were kind of just joking around and just having a good time making fun of this dude. Yeah. Um, we, so, had, I mean, we had to take the MST3K approach yeah, <laughs> to make exactly. it tolerable yeah so when we basically just started heckling the guy um not really about uh, so that he could hear but between the four of us we because i mean the girls just turned their heats around yeah and, and they were just like and so we just kind of just started heckling the guy um and just had fun doing that so i mean it just it's really kind of i mean again the bad and the ugly um to kind of tie it back to this it's just it's it's it, it is what you make of it so i mean you take the negatives and you turn it into a positive somehow you yeah. have you know, you have funny stories you can draw back on. Like this dude who, you know, his sailing got changed because of uh, Joaquin. He's like, hey, I'm still going on a cruise. It's still going to be epic. It yep. sucks that I didn't get to go on the cruise of my own. Um, but, uh, you know, and he's like, but they're doing everything they can to make they can to make it up to us. So it's just like, you know, they mm-hmm. it's it's really, all of it's really what you make of it. In general, though, you're going to have an incredibly positive experience if you're a positive person. If yeah. you're a negative person, if you sit there kind of like, the entire time you're gonna have a crap time there's just no way around that and it's got nothing to do with cruising and it has quite frankly everything to do with you and that happened so to us when we went to jamaica sorry to interrupt yeah. um when we had that emer- medical emergency mm-hmm. like when we had to be diverted to the bahamas so they can get the rescue helicopter out is you still had to maintain that positiveness even though you're not going to see jamaica it doesn't matter somebody's life was at stake yeah so you know yeah, I mean, they do these things for serious reasons, yeah. Yeah. And, and for the right reasons, and they make the right calls as far as I can determine. Um, but also the thing is, is that you're still on a ship. Yeah. You know, you trade in Jamaica for a day at sea, you know, one, one of the sayings... as far as I'm concerned, honestly. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. I've, and, and one of the sayings that I think I've often heard, I don't know if I, someone who came up with it, I might be stealing a joke here, I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's that, you know, a bad day at sea is better than a good day on land. Yeah. And honestly, it's pretty true. I mean, you're not having to clean up after yourself or make your own food. Yeah. You've got tons of things to do. I mean, we might complain about, you know, one particular piano bar guy or something or one yeah. particular comedian, but that's because your time on the ship to a certain degree is precious. And so, like I'm saying, don't waste a half hour on a, on a piano bar guy. This sucks. Give him two or three songs and then and get then out of it. It's no yeah. good because there's, so there's better things, things to do. Yeah. Other things. There's a comedy Always club, deck party. Yeah, everyone's kind of vying for your attention, right? So it's really you. You really are in the driver's seat yeah. uh, as to how much fun you want to and can have. I mean, because at any given time, there are five 
scheduled things happening at the exact same time. Yep. Uh, minimum. Um, and so, I mean, if you don't like the piano bar, you can go check the comedy club. You can go to see if there's something at main stage. We're probably not during the comedy club time because main stage will more than likely be closed or wrapping up. No, sometimes they have Okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, or, the, or, or you can go to Coralito. You can go to the pool. You can go to the Serenity. Like, there's so many things that are vying for your attention that if you don't like the one thing, don't sit there and self pout and cry about how so this one many, thing sucks. There's so many options. And, and yeah. when you can just, you can do literally anything else and you can, there are day, there were days where I just wasn't feeling it. I just stayed in our cabin and ordered, you know, cruise, uh, room, uh, room service and just to watch TV and just so I can kind of get the glums out yeah. uh, or just the, feel, nice the feeling, yeah. you know, not feeling great out. And, and so I, you know, and, and that, you know, because rather than making everyone around me miserable because I'm kind of feeling like kind of, I'm just kind of having a bit of a crap, crap night or crap evening or whatever, uh, just because for whatever reason I'm not feeling 100%, rather than making everyone else around me miserable, I'm just going to go home, go home, back to my cabin basically, yeah. chill yeah. out for a little bit, get all that crap, you know, get that negativity out of me. And then go re- reconnect with my group, right? And it just, you know, because sometimes you just need some alone time, right? And that's yep. just, you know, there's times where it's like, I'm like, there's just too many people around me. I need to just kind of decompress and be myself, be my, myself for a little bit, right? Absolutely. Um, but Balconies are great for that. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. I will, this cruise, I'll experience that, right? On the dream. Yeah. Something called a cove balcony, which I'm not sure what's different between that and a regular balcony, except I believe it's a really low deck. We're on like deck two, Mm -hmm. so I believe what makes the difference between a standard balcony and a cove is that you're uh, you get the mist from from the sea. So, oh, that'd be cool. That could could be interesting. Just watch out for saltwater doing stuff to your electronics, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. but I mean, it's 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 really just I mean, again, like I mean, the, the the really the thing I can say about cruising more than anything else is. Is it is what you make, what you yourself decide to make of yeah. it. If you've decided before you go there that you're going to have an amazing time, you're going to have an amazing time. You're going to ride the, the, the whatever roadblocks come your way. You're going to ride them. If that even and, happens. And, yeah. and you're, if you're, you know, yeah, whatever may come your way, you're going to ride them out, and everything's going to be fine. And you, you, as long as you maintain a super positive attitude. Like, and that also just... comes to the point of what, when you have bad sea days, mm-hmm. whereas if you if you get nauseous, or you get dizzy because of mm-hmm. the sea. That's not the ship's fault. That's not Carnival's fault. That's your fault from not being able to that's genetics fault really i mean that's yeah, just, it's, yeah. it's, it's just you know, you know, so, but there's ways weather. you can get around that yeah though, or right? weather but it, it, weather's it, fault. still it's you can't be negative about it exactly you know, it happens. and so maybe it just parts, don't hang out on the, the ship deck yeah. go chill out in your cabin ride yeah. it out you yeah. know and be close to where you got a yak you mm-hmm. know because you're not yeah. going to want to yak over the uh, edge of the ship because no because no no because when we'll learn back at you also you'll learn at the safety briefing that it's illegal to discharge certain things into the sea and also we don't know what the certain things you can discharge are so don't risk it also you've heard the expression don't pee into the wind also that prime example don't vomit into the wind yes because then you vomit on everyone yeah that's just what it is like you know just ride it out and have a good time plan to have a good time and you're going to have a good time um, don't sit there thinking about the money you spent. Uh, don't sit there thinking about, you know, the fact that the cab took a, you know, a slightly circuitous route to the port. Don't sit there thinking about the fact that you're feeling nauseous. Don't sit there thinking about all these things that have already happened or are out of your control. They're done. Mm-hmm. Just go have fun. Yeah. Well, and I don't even see a lot of people who are able to sustain that on the ship. It's just too hard to sustain negativity it in really that is. environment. I find that... Regardless of what's going on, I mean, when we went on the breeze, um, you know, Julian turned into a human sprinkler, uh, vomiting pink 
stuff all over the air at the airport miami airport Mm -hmm. and i was like on a slip and slide trying to get him out of it and stuff and like that was horrific and i spent i had a whole night with almost no sleep Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff and so there was a lot of things that were kind of going like a national lampoon start to our big up to that vacation yeah yeah i was was joking on the sunshine (laughs) that i was become griswold but no i was i I had a griswold experience at the beginning of the of the breeze no it was it was yeah Yeah. it was totally national lampoons it was brutal but you take that step onto the ship and the second that you walk into the atrium you just feel it washing off of you and it's it's left behind yeah and when you're on the ship like we've only scratched the surface there's so many additional things there's the mini golf the gym the hot tubs yeah um you want to talk performers there's often i've done the spa fantastic i'm gonna do the spa next time i'm very excited Yeah, I'm going to try an hour-long pedicure, whatever that's I'm like. I'm super stoked. Um, there's, uh, like, there's often, um, uh, what is it, guitar performers in the atrium. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's bands, uh, there's contests, uh, there's live bands. For example, Brilliant. on the breeze, we did not like the piano bar, but we went to the live band called Rhythm Nation, and we saw They're them great. twice because they were fantastic. They were really, really awesome. So, I mean, there's going to be something that's going to be enjoyable. There's dance um, lessons. There was, uh, they were teaching, yeah. like, salsa lessons and stuff like that. Uh, Almost every sailing has yeah. that. Uh, there was a breakdancing competition that we stumbled across, if I'm not mistaken. And we were just, we, we were trying to get from A to B and we were crossing the atrium and yeah, there was like breakdancing going on. Awesome. I've, I've, I haven't seen that before since. Hmm. Um, so you never know what kind of stuff you're going to just stumble across. Uh, on the, the alchemy bar, which is a lot of fun. On the glory, uh, they had, because it was near, um, it was near Christmas. They had several Christmas events. They had mm-hmm. the ugly sweater contest. They had uh, Christmas trivia. Santa came out like two or three different times. All these different events, dance parties in the atrium, all sorts of different things, just because it happened to be Christmas time. Yeah. They have those uh, Doctor Seuss connection uh, tie-in with with crews. So there's often like a, 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 a parade with a cat in a hat at some point on one of the days at sea. So if you're really into Doctor Seuss, you can have fun with that. We haven't really taken part of that because I want to sleep. Uh, I, it's early. Um, and there's um, um, if you have kids with you. They have a build a bear thing too, so you can have a build a bear workshop on one of the days. You, you pay for it, but it's like ten bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's um, and so it's just like there's a, there's a lot, there's so many things to do. Yeah, yeah, we could go on at, yeah. at length. I have actually seen the, the Seuss parade. I wasn't personally impressed, but I'm not a child. I was on the glory waiting to book our paradise sailing. And the, okay. the, the, the parade went right behind me when I was at the future cruise desk. <laughs> and so I was just like, oh, okay. And so I think I might have a little video bit of that uh, forthcoming uh, from the glory trip. But, um, you know, There's yeah, if you're, if you're into it. yeah. There's the gaming room, which yeah. is also the library. And just kind of like this quiet area. Now, not all ships have all of these things. You know, it depends. But, you know, uh, there's there's going to be something. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. In most of those cases, taste bar. And just uh, take a look at your fun times. Read the fun times. It'll give you everything that's happening. And they uh, also hour, they don't have um, Wi-Fi is something they have to pay for. But however, if you uh, you can actually download the fun times um, um, list the carnival for, site for, for per day, yeah. um, so you don't have to pay for that. So you can have yeah. just brief access uh, to get that. So you have it available, readily available on the phone. If you don't want to, you know, carry around the sheet, the fun time sheets, but they give you a daily schedule of everything that's going to happen that day. Um, and it just it's it, it your your biggest problem is going to be going to be to decide what to do. Yeah. And, Basically, and how to eat, what to eat, and how to prioritize your time, because yeah. there's going to be like there's going a guarantee there's going to be at least two conflicts, uh, like time conflicts uh, on your cruise. At all times, um, yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, like minimum at the cruise, there's going to be two things that you really, really, really want to do, and they're going to happen at the same time, and you're like, how am I going to bend time to make this happen? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, somehow you'll find a way to make it work because you're going to get really committed. Um, you're but, just gonna have to make your peace with missing something yeah. and having a very good reason to go on another cruise later. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's but it's and and but you're gonna have so much fun doing the other thing that you're gonna forget that you missed out on the other thing too, right? 
Um, some of the cruises, they have this Hasbro thing, which is a lot of fun. The game it's, show. It, yeah, the game, game show. show it's, yeah. a, it's a little long. There's a lot of um, lights and, uh, you know, throwy things. So our kid kind of had a bit of a freak out at the end, uh, which is a bit too much for him. Um, but, I mean, he was also, what, five, six at the time? Yeah, he was much younger. This was three years ago. Yeah. It's, and Hasbro, Hasbro the game show is normally on the main stage, but it's broken up into two different things on two separate days. Mm-hmm. So it's normally on a sailing where you'll have two at sea days, and yeah. I think Hasbro is normally on the at sea day, probably in the uh, uh, late afternoon or yeah. the evening. And, and, it was, and it was a blast. It was an absolute hoot. Like, I absolutely, I, I super enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, they'll have some sort of, like, couples game thing happening no the love and marriage show oh you've seen it once you've seen it a thousand times but that's just me sam watches it a lot so you know i'm gonna bury him onto the stake one day it'll be fun oh boy um but yeah it's 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 pretty fantastic and awesome great and we can go on at length as we have and we will just want to talk about brexit well that sucked uh really glad i I didn't put money down on watching it I, I I thought just, just no way in hell that was gonna happen. Yeah, I didn't think it was gonna happen. Uh, I don't think anyone thought that that was actually legit gonna happen. I actually read there's, there's this famous tweet or something like that now that's going around. Infamous tweet that's going around. This guy voted to leave, didn't think his vote would actually count, and now mm-hmm. he's like, I don't know what to do now, because uh, I didn't think my vote would matter, and now I feel like I kind of screwed my. But I also heard a, a rumor that uh, some of the people who are taking the votes they would. Because they were voting with a pencil, they rub out the no and put a yes. Well, well that's a pretty strong that's accusation. A, that's a, I, I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that. I haven't that's, been following I, I the, the story I heard a report careful. on that, but I'm not... That's that's, sure. that's a massive... Yeah. That would be a... Well, I mean, there's a big push for a second referendum that happened now. Um, but what happens now? Once they've, not, now they've voted, so does that mean they're automatically no, out? No, 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 no. So they have to... They, I think they have to invoke Article 50 or something like that with the EU. Um, and they actually have to like formally apply to withdraw. Um, so that whole process is going to take two years, okay. um, mi- like minimum. And and by the sounds of it, it sounds like there's going to there's a big push to have a second referendum because already there's been um, it, 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 in Great Britain um, or in the UK rather, um, whenever um, a petition is formed and more than a hundred thousand votes have been uh, have more than a hundred thousand people have signed the petition, it has to be discussed in, in, in Parliament. Yeah. Um, and so there's a huge there's a huge push. There's actually one time um, about six or seven months ago where the UK actually wanted to ban Trump from ever entering into the UK. Yeah. They got the 100,000 votes, and they actually had to discuss it in Parliament. And there were some people, who, like some MPs, are going, we need to actually seriously talk about this. Um, and like they were oh. they were taking it seriously. They weren't, you know, kind of doing this all t- I mean, a lot of them were doing, were kind of tongue-in-cheek, but some people were taking it seriously. Like, no, 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 this is a legitimate conversation. But no, so, but, so there is a push to have a second referendum to say, no, 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 let's, let's try this vote again. Um, there are actually some people saying that the people who are over 65 should not be allowed to vote for this one because it's not really going to affect them all that much. Um, I've seen which, that, that table of how people voted it, by age unreal. group and like how many years. So basically they took the age uh, breakdown of the vote and then they took the average life expectancy for those cohorts and said like how many years are they expected to live under this regime. And so the only cohort, I think a 65 plus that voted um, a clear 50 plus majority in favor of leaving has something like an estimated of 11 to 13 years or something where they would actually be living under that, that regime, whereas everyone else was... 50, less than 50%, in some cases still for leave, but in most cases, I think, for remain. Uh, and they, they had much higher numbers. And so the, the, that's that int- it's an interesting chart that's going around out yeah. there. Uh, I mean, it has no basis in law, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't followed this this story very carefully. Uh, it's interesting the the erasing thing because that's really yeah, key. If something like that's happening, it's actually I think relatively easy to prove because yeah. if anybody can a find recount that, let would us determine know, that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And the other uh, monkey wrench that's thrown into the process is David Cameron is stepping down. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't. Is I don't. Favored to be the new M- uh, prime Boris. minister. I would imagine stepping down would probably trigger a general election rather than just handing it to yeah. the handing it to the deputy especially because i believe it's a coalition government so if they have to go undergo a general that could really delay things but i was also reading that apparently a lot of eu offices are dismissing um their their uh their their uk representatives and basically telling them to get out Uh, that was (laughs) a headline i haven't bit of irony there wow i haven't i haven't i haven't read uh much about this it was just a headline i saw i've been really focused on the mario marathon and some other things lately Mm -hmm. but um yeah, so that's definitely that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting bit of irony, and, and it's having a big impact on the world economy. Um, yes, and like even to us donating to the Mario Marathon, it's causing currency fluctuations that we're encountering mm-hmm. even across uh, Canadian and American mm-hmm. currencies because the Canadian it's currency like two pennies or something like that. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's tied very closely to oil. Mm-hmm. Oil being in the stock market, everyone in the stock market's kind of spooked. They don't know what it means. Yeah, so there's a big Crude rush to down. sell. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, the pound dropped uh, the lowest it's been in over thirty years. Um, yeah. It was like a nine like on the day of it was a nine percent drop in the pound, uh, which is just I mean that's a, that's huge. That does um, huge, yeah. And um, now there's also again with regards to referendums, there's again another push <coughs> to have another independence vote for Scotland and even Northern Ireland is talking about wanting but, to do an independence vote because both of them very 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 clearly voted to remain. You were you were telling me that you were recently tweeting a, a reporter about an interesting take you had on the whole Brexit situation. Oh yeah, no, I was saying that now's a really good time to go travel to. The UK um, because the pound is tra- uh, the pound is taking yep. such a hit um, that obviously uh, the currency conversion is not going to be nearly as devastating as it used to be because when we went last went it was like what two fourteen to a dollar and now it's like yeah. and now last time I checked it was buck seventy four to a dollar so I mean it's yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's it's now's a really really good time because I mean it's just your dollar is going to travel that much more um, yeah. that much further and so I, I said that to I tweeted to uh, Saint John Alexander. Um, um, or St. John underscore Alexander CTV, I think, was the guy's Twitter handle. Um, and yeah, he, he, he seemed to agree with that tweet, as he liked it. Um, and But, you know, unfortunately, we don't have any trips to the UK planned anytime soon, because we're, unfortunately, going on a cruise. Um, but yeah, if any, if any of you guys are thinking about, you know, considering a, a trip to the UK anytime soon, really, now is the time to do it. Buy, you know, buy the currency now, at the very least. Yeah. Um, and do your booking now, at the very, very least, um, because you're going to get it. it um, I mean, chances are, honestly, it's probably going to be somewhat unstable for at very least the next six months, the pound. Uh, it's going to take a really, really long time for this whole thing to stabilize, especially mm-hmm. until they figure out who the new prime minister is going to be. Because that's, that's the thing, because, I mean, Cameron's not actually stepping down until October. Um, and so, um, and, and because of the coalition is actually making the whole stepping down thing a really, really complicated process, it, it may not pro- actually require an election. But if, there, but if, way I read it. if the coalition doesn't unify behind whoever the new mm. person is, then their vote of non-confidence yeah. could trigger a general election. But I mean, but yeah. So but, probably more likely than not, because as I understood it, Cameron's coalition was, uh, held fairly, together by a lot of hope. It was fairly tenuous. Oh. Yeah. Um, the whole pig thing didn't help. Um, and, and also the Panama Papers thing. The whole recently. Panama Papers really uh-huh. didn't help. One thing I will mention about advising people to travel to uh, the UK because of the pounds depreciation is I have been reading some reports of some anti-immigrant and racial yeah. um, 
um, mistreatment uh, by by crowds. Mostly, it's just oh. been shouted things at people inappropriately, from my understanding. But it's something to probably keep an eye on from like sort of a safety and being yeah. feeling welcome and enjoying a vacation standpoint. Uh, I don't know. It's all very early days for us right now. So I mean, we're certainly not experts in this particular field. Yeah, having no, made myself two trips to London total and nothing recent. So, mm-hmm. um, but definitely, you know, make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into before you travel, because I think we all like love to think of. Uh, you know, London is, is this uh, sort of cradle of civilization, or at least I certainly yeah. do. Bastion but of civility. The the sad thing is is that they do have a lot of their, their troubles, too. I mean, even going back several years to, well, the troubles, and, you know, more recently thinking about, like, you know, uh, when the underground got bombed several years ago yeah. and things of that nature. So, I mean, you know, uh, do your research uh, before you commit to anything. Yeah, um, no, that, I mean, that, that, no, that's, I mean that's, a, that's a sad reality. That's very, very true. I hadn't really considered that. I kind of wouldn't mind taking some time to kind of acknowledge what happened in, Paul, in Orlando um, with uh, the shooting at Pulse. Um, and that was a really, really, um, yeah. it was a really horrible event. Anyways, I don't want to really get into that too much, um, but it just, there's 49 people who are no longer alive today because this person was filled with a lot of hate. And it's sad and it's horrible and you don't want, you kind of hoped that this, we were kind of past that, um, um, that after Stone Church, that was a horrible event, um, that that was kind of the last of that. Um, and unfortunately, um, the, our generation now has, and the young generation has their own stone church, and that's that's a, that's a horrible thing. And I'm really really sorry, and um, it just needs to be acknowledged. And um, Orlando Strong, I guess I don't. I mean, it seems yeah. kind of stupid to put that out there, but um, know that we love you. Mm-hmm. We do love Orlando. We love Orlando. We love Orlando. We've had very positive experiences. We love Orlando, there, and and yeah, it's a lot of fun there. And I don't want anyone to not go there because of this, because yeah, Orlando's no. a fantastic place. It's a fantastic place. Um, go it's, and it's enjoy a, yourselves there. You'll have a great time. And and yeah, and the, the people there are just the, super fun. Negatives affect your decisions. Yeah, please don't, because yeah, then you just won't live your life. And right now, or, Orlando needs you right now. They need to feel yeah. your love. They, they need do. to know yeah. that you want to go there and you want to have a good time there, yeah. and you don't want to be saved there. And so they need to, they need to feel that. Is uh, there is there concerns about reduced tourism as a result of what happened? I, I think with the compound thing, with the Christina Green thing, with Pulse, and then the yeah, kid, uh, the the kid in Disneyland. I think those mm. three things all happened within a week of each other. No, oh, wow. Um, yeah. so it was just it was just it it. It, Orlando got hit really, really hard in a really, really emotional way, um, yeah. and it sucks. And and it was just, um, um, yeah. Even though Orlando happened, we still got to remember the other incidents that happened as well, as just as bad, yeah, as worse as Orlando. Like Christina Grimmie, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I followed her on YouTube, and that was just that was heartbreaking. Yeah, and 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 it sounds like I mean her brother was a real hero because yeah. he prevented that from being a much worse situation than it actually was. I mean, it's still horrendous. Her life was still lost. Um, you know the kid, kid dying with the alligator attack. Uh, yeah. A lot of people throwing a lot of hate towards the parents, uh, which stop that, please. Because yeah. um, that's not what they need right now. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, the the father fought the alligator yeah. to oh, try wow. and yeah, he tried to fight off. He actually wrestled the alligator. Yeah, he tried to wrestle the alligator. I mean, wow. it's just like it's not like they were negligent parents or anything. They that and no. it, you're in freaking. Florida. Disney World. You're in Florida. You're not going to avoid alligators. There was a sign that says "Do not swim." And, they, and but the there were no swimming. signs about crocodiles in that water. Well, and the thing, because you're like, in anybody Florida. could have gone there. Yeah. Because I mean, of course, you're going to anticipate that. That's if you're going to be in a body of water that is not like the ocean, you're going to have to anticipate that there is going to be likelihood of croc- uh, alligators there. That's just it's Florida. 
Yeah. Um, and so that's why they have these signs that says, don't swim in the water. And the kid wasn't swimming in the water. He wasn't, he was, yes, he was at the beach and something like that. He was standing that. on the beach like anybody else would. And the thing is, and the, and the thing is, uh, people have. And, and, yeah. and, and Walt Disney World properties uh, are, are doing a fantastic, have done and are continuing to do a fantastic job of doing everything they can to keep the alligators at bay as best as they possibly can. Yeah. Um, they search the waters every, from what I understand, they search the waters every single day and they, they evict, they evict uh, alligators all the time. Uh, animal experts all around the world have been saying, hey, these guys done, have done they couldn't have done anything better um, um, short of getting the, the NASA fences um, I mean NASA has these specialized fences and stuff like that that curve outwards so that the alligators can't actually climb over the fences um, because they were causing um, shuttle launch delays um, otherwise and so I mean, a short of getting those fences, and honestly, if you're going to be at this super high-end resort, are you going to want to see those fences everywhere around you? You're probably, it, it, visually, it's not a very appealing thing. Yeah. So I can understand why they maybe, as a, on a, as a business decision, decided not to get those kind of fences. And uh, Maybe they do have them in, uh, in big areas, but they can't, you know, they can't encircle the entire property. It just can't be done. Yeah. You know how big Walt Disney World property is? It's like half the freaking state, practically. Um, well, it's and, not that big, but it, it might as well be a, a town unto itself, exactly and a city, and also there might be ecological impacts if, if they were to wall off a big part of the yeah. ecosystem. Like so, it, it, as, it, it, as much as you might think, like you know, the view isn't worth a life. Yeah. I would think, but there might be ecological things there, where that might have a negative impact. I can't on imagine. Species. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, not, I mean, NASA's had these fences for what, like four decades now i can't imagine that they haven't you know explored this as an option and mm -hmm. i would imagine that they've ruled it out for a very 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 good reason perhaps ecological perhaps whatever and it makes perfect sense but again i think everyone needs to kind of back up off the hate from the parents um leave them alone they're grieving right now they've lost yeah. their child and they couldn't they then they tried to stop and they couldn't make it happen yeah. and that's i can't as a parent i can't even begin to fathom the kind of pain and heartache that they're going through i lost our kid for like two minutes at the canadian tire the other day and I lost my mind. Like I had, like my heart rate was at like a 200 uh, beats per minute, and I was like about to break down. And he was just like a couple aisles away from us because we lost him for a couple seconds. So, and if that's if if that is even one hundredth of what those parents are feeling, God, that is just like that. That's a bring you to your knees kind of pain and hurt. And just yeah. leave them alone. Let them let them grieve and just grieve back in off. peace. Yeah. Well, and you have just have to question what like does that accomplish? I mean, you're expending time and energy and effort on something. If you want to talk about better safety, uh, you know, barriers, you want to talk about, you know, better regulations or things of that nature, you want to, you know, uh, create some sort of a, a fund in the name of a victim or something, that's all productive, but mm -hmm. just attacking people on social media, you know, and calling them names is a waste of time uh, and energy, and so there's better things you could be doing with your time. But you can caught up into that sort of stuff yeah. right now. I think, I don't know if, it, I don't know if the elections have something to do with that, that we're kind of getting so caught up in making fun of Trump or making fun of Bernie or making fun of Hillary and all that sort of stuff. That we're kind of just uh, forgetting that these people are people, and that we're and we have this we have this shell of immunity by putting if we type it on the, on in the internet it doesn't really count, but these are people um, who read this and they feel this and and they they internalize this just like you would, um, and so this this there's kind of this herd mentality uh, sometimes uh, just is kind of it's terrifying, um, so yeah just leave them, leave them alone. So on to something a little bit more positive, yeah. we yeah. we recently heard that there's a building in uh, downtown Los Angeles that has something like a thousand feet up, uh, created an external glass encased oh, yeah. slide. Yeah. So this is like I, I I only read about this briefly during the Mario Marathon. I'm still sleep deprived as a result of that, but it's on something like like the what. what uh, Super high up, 70th yeah. floor. I don't know what. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I think it's the 70th floor. And so they, they, it's a slide that slides you down to the 69th floor. 
and it seems like a pretty gentle sloping thing and you're in a but like, like fighting sack so. yeah except it's like a nice looking one yeah okay. uh, you know and so and i think there's like special straps for women <laughs> with 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 heels or whatever um and so i mean it looks super safe it looks a little on the pricey side because it's 20 some odd dollars just to get up to that height on the building because i think they have a lookout or some other mm. things there and then it's additional eight dollars or so to do the slide so um anyways it hasn't opened to the public yet but some ap reporter and other reporters were given the opportunity to go down the slide and so it's kind of interesting i mean i think i think it's being a little overhyped because they're talking about like this this amazing there this amazing drop from a thousand feet up so you think you're dropping a thousand feet but you're not you're going from one floor to the next floor down um that having been said it's on the outside of the building and encased in glass so that could be really quite uh, quite the adrenaline rush and pretty exciting so i don't know if we'll have a chance to do that in december i suspect we won't because we're not gonna have a lot of time in la but anything's possible but i think that it's uh is it, i think it's something that might be going on the bucket list for some members of vacation impossible because it sounds like it'd be a lot of fun just to check it out we'd want to get uh, maybe some nice gopro footage so people yeah, can my dad's hyping, asking for that already <laughs> he wants to see what it's like from the comfort of his couch before he commits to anything. And I think oh, he's, that's... Not, he's not going to do that, no. <laughs> <laughs> he wants us to do it. He wants to watch us. <laughs> and that is totally fair. That's a service that we're, uh, we're happy to provide uh, here at Vacation Impossible. So I think that's, uh, that's something that might be on our to-do list, some sort of new travel destination news, mm-hmm. I suppose. I didn't realize it was LA. I didn't actually, actually, didn't actually read the uh, article. I just watched the video. But I just assumed it was either Beijing or New York. No, no, it's, it's downtown LA. I forgot the name of the building uh, off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, no, it looks uh, it looks pretty cool. It's very it's a very very gentle slope though, like because yeah, because it's very clickbait title, right? They're like, oh my god, glass slide outside a building, great. And you look at it, you're like, oh. oh. Yeah. I mean, it's still fun, but yeah, they, it is. It, if they had just accurately described it, then that would be cool because I believe this Willis Tower in chicago that has the glass little platform you yeah. can walk out on cn tower has something similar cn I've done, tower has a glass floor i've done the cn actually, tower thing yeah. and that is so thick yeah it's actually what well, the thing it most reminds me of the west rim at the grand canyon that we did yeah. where it went out and there but the, like the glass is so thick and there's so many layers that you that you still feel like you're pretty much standing on like glass bricks or something yeah. like you feel pretty safe yeah. This thing looks like it's just, it, it's it's like it's thin, thin. It's, yeah. looks very like transparent. Three inches thick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe it's transparent aluminum or something. I don't know, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I think I think that that dimension of it could make it pretty exciting. I think they just oversold it in the articles, but I don't think that's any reason. Yeah, I mean, to check I, th- it out. I think for me the biggest fear would be because I mean I'm pushing 300 pounds, so the idea of it being able to hold my weight, I'm like it can hold my weight, right? Like I'm sure it's been tested for like a thousand plus pounds, but it's like. You know, how many times, how, at what point does it just kind of that, that structural integrity get weakened? Yeah. And so it's like, how many slides before it can't hold that weight anymore? Yeah. So it says, and that's, I mean, that's just kind of the, being an overweight person. I mean, that's just kind of the, the general concern you have. So is it going to be able to support my weight? But, uh, so I think that's the thing that's getting me most like, oh, I don't know. That's okay. kind of what I think whenever but, I'm flying. Yeah. <laughs> whenever I'm flying, I see the wings flapping in the middle of the air. How long is that going to happen until they fall off? You know, well, so, they 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 you know please. they have those checks all the time. I and, certainly hope so. You know yeah. everything's fine. People who are listening, they um, may remember uh, uh, Mike's last flight where they had that huge drop, yeah. um, and so they have. So I looked it up a little bit today because we were talking about it again, and apparently they have this thing called VA speed. Um, I don't know if it's VA or VA because it's spelled like capital V lower A. Um, and if a plane is at or uh, below the the VA speed um, or level, whatever. Um, and it starts to experience turbulence, and the wings um, uh, get to the max um, like bend capacity. Um, the engines will stall out, and it'll drop 
um, which allow the g-forces to kind of lessen and allow everything to kind of stabilize itself and so that's when you experience that huge that that well not that huge but that, so, that, that bit of sudden plummet. drop and that where you your tummy yeah. kind of comes up a little bit yeah um and so that's actually a good thing you actually this is sort of a situation where you want the, the engine to stall out a little bit so it can kind of just stabilize itself it's almost like bomb starting a car if you drive if you're someone who drives a manual car and you're going down a hill and the car stalls out you want to kind of actually have it in neutral so they can get 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 itself into gear um, so it's the same sort of it's a similar, similar, similar principle. Um, or it might be analogous to if your car is going too fast and maybe your brakes go, you could pull the handbrake or you could go side to side to shed velocity. Mm-hmm. And so from what you were saying is, is that you had to drop the G's because you're going too fast. It's basically a max velocity that the wings can't handle. So you need to shed that velocity mm-hmm. fast. Or you can yes. come up on some thermals, which will cause the, 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 the turbulence, right? So if you get, yeah, you shed velocity basically. Um, um, so, so you can get to below, uh, to get, get either at or below that VOS speed. Um, so that, you, because if you're, if you're above that, then the engine can't stall out and it can't basically stabilize itself. But if you shed the velocity, um, and if you're at the below of the speed, it, yeah, just basically just lowers the pressure that of the, um, of, um, the G forces on the wing. Um, and those wings, I mean, they're made, they're, they're kind of meant to be a little bit on the pliable side. So you, when you see it kind of doing the flappy stuff, you kind of, you, you freak out a little bit and you're, that's a natural response, yeah, but yeah. it's also a natural thing of what the wing's doing. And the thing to know too, is when you're in air, you're actually the safest when you're mid air. Um, especially when you're actually at that, at the, uh, 30, 30,000, 40,000 feet. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's really, at, well, I don't know if it's quite the high, but, uh, it's when you're, when you're at your, your maximum height, basically that's kind of when you're like, cruising altitude, that's the word I'm looking for. That's actually your safest time on the flight. Um, this may not help those who are afraid of flying, but it's takeoff and landing. That's actually the, 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 the most dangerous part. Um, and even that is really not that dangerous. It's just that is statistically the most dangerous part of flying. Um, the, I mean, I was trying to find incidences of um, because he was concerned about you know a wing just snapping off. I was actually yeah. trying, I was googling. It looked like it was going to snap off. I actually seriously. couldn't find a, a, a verified uh, instance of that having occurred. At least not in modern history. Um, uh, at least as far as Google is concerned. I mean, there was some clickbait article a couple of years back from um, Daily UK where they're like, oh, wing flies off mid-flight! And it's a panel of a wing that flew off. And, yeah, and it yeah. snapped off, yes. Um, but the plane landed and everything was fine. No one was hurt. and The they wing just didn't come off. It was just a panel put, on top of the wing. Yeah, they just put... A covering. Yeah, yeah, they put the panel back and everything's yeah. fine. Um, and yeah, of course, when you're like, you know, mid-flight and you're seeing the inner workings of a wing, you're just like, that. I shouldn't see that. Yeah. And you shouldn't, because it's obviously it's going to affect the aerodynamics and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's 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 the flying is actually statistically Safer. the most, I believe, safe uh, method of travel. Yeah. Um, uh, trains is actually one of the most dangerous methods of travel. Yeah. No. Um, no. 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 Um, basically, the way it works is is that um, yeah, planes are the safest, and trains are actually safer than. But the worst, the absolute worst, is cars. Cars. Oh, absolutely. Okay. By a country yeah. mile. Uh, in fact, talking to your I brother, think it's like commercial commercial type travel, I believe the trains are more dangerous. I think trains might be slightly more dangerous than uh, city buses. Yeah. Um, but uh, long haul buses, I think the the it, they're yeah. safer than still. Okay. So like, I think they're still safer than Greyhound, but they won't necessarily be as safe as your city okay. bus. Okay. Uh, and I think part of that is just because of the areas where they would go and the velocities they'd operate at. I suppose it's just the kind of the catastrophic damage that is caused when when it, when there's a train derailment. It's it's more catastrophic than uh, and it's not necessarily with with regards to lives lost, but with yeah, that's to the thing. It's damage, damage to property, then, then, yeah. yeah, yeah, and so it's it's a it's sort of an impressive wreckage. Whereas yeah. I suppose a plane could break up, you know, in the air or mm. the ocean. Yeah. So 
you know, the visuals aren't there. But mm-hmm. uh, in talking to your brother one time, I used to have some small anxiety when flying. I think anyone would at takeoff and landing. Uh, one of the things to think about why, you know, it's safer when you're just in the air. That's the only time they can engage autopilot, which I think gives you an idea mm-hmm. of the modicum of safety margin that exists at, the, at that stage. But he said the most dangerous thing you can do at an airport ever is get into a car. And when he put it that way, that really solidified it for me that I got it. And then, of course, the very next time I came home and you picked me up at the airport, I was like, (laughs) (laughs) thanks for picking me up. (laughs) I'm I'm very much in favor of the idea of self-driving electric cars. Uh, The sooner they come along, the better. I read an article the other day that was interesting, though. Uh, I hope it's a distraction from the real issues involved. But it was talking about the morality of the AI of a self-driving car. If the car is faced with a situation where it has to choose between something that would be potentially fatal for you or a pedestrian, what would it do? What if it's a group of pedestrians, one pedestrian or you? And so they were doing this uh, psychological study and survey of people saying that, you know, what do you believe should be the regulation and the type of car made? Well, I mean, consider that, yeah. Yeah, no, it was a new thought to me as well because I'm a big proponent now after reading the Oatmeal's uh, coverage of the Google car. Um, I'm a very big proponent of self-driving vehicles to think that they don't get drunk, tired, angry, distracted, and that they can see things we can't with sensors that will see through another object, through a car. So that kid running behind that car that you can't see, the car can see uh, through its sensors. So, I mean, you're reading about all that and how those cars are actually much more timid than you would expect them to be. But because Mm. of all the safety, they'd still operate... Uh, they get you there faster, even in the slower velocity, because there's less traffic and dangerous things and uh, soft and start uh, traffic, what have you. Anyways, so the question is, is let's say that there is, um, you know, you've got uh, a brick wall to your left and a brick wall to your right that has a break in it. And so maybe there's a crowd in front of you and then there's a single person uh, there where the break in the wall on the side begins and then there's just brick wall. So the question becomes, should the car drive straight into the brick wall killing you? Should the car drive through the single person, through the break in the wall and escape, or drive through the crowd? And so they were asking this of a large, well, a relatively large sample size, I think a, a little over a thousand people, which is just enough to be statistically significant. And so most people said that the rules and, and the manufacturers should all be making the car that um, that would basically sacrifice you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and or or at the very least the least that's, number that's of lives, the least number of lives. So yeah. like you know they'd be okay with sacrificing you or the single pedestrian, but not yeah. the group. No one agreed with the group. Yeah. Um, and so by and large, they all uh, according to the survey said you know oh that it should be about uh, safeguarding pedestrians, not you. Because mm-hmm. um, that's what that's what you would do as a driver. Yeah. But yeah. then those same people, thousand fourteen people, however. They said, okay, now imagine where there's some loose regulations uh, that don't really speak to that. And there's car manufacturers that make the selfless car uh, that might sacrifice you. And then there's car manufacturers who make the car that will always protect you, regardless of how many other lives are at risk. Which car will you buy? Mm -hmm. And overwhelmingly, I think in the high 90s percentages, they said the car that will save your life over all others in terms of what they would purchase for themselves. So uh, one of the conclusions of the study is that you have to have really strong regulations because the consumer base is not likely to tend towards what would be for the greater, what's known as a common good, good, the common good uh, in uh, in economic and political theory. So it's an interesting question. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was reading an article about this, and I think at the end of the article they brought it into um, a, a, a key argument, which is, 
regardless of which one of those three programmings goes into a car, fatalities by car would plummet dramatically. We're talking like a 95-98% reduction wow. in uh, vehicular uh, fatalities. Minimum 90%, depending on how conservative a study you're looking at. Um, but they're saying that even if we took like the selfish cars that would mow down an entire parade to save one person, we would still see car uh, fatalities drop 9 out of 10. So, wow. I mean, yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I really hope that that is no reason to, for anyone to pardon the analogy, tap the brakes on the development of self-driving cars, because I think that that's uh, an incredibly important thing. And I realize there's economic disruption. Truck drivers are one of the highest uh, uh, um, professions in the United States. Yeah. More people are truck drivers than in most other jobs. Yeah. Uh, and so they're already looking at self-driving. I think Walmart's already uh, tested uh, some they're self-driving. They're already testing self-driving trucks, yeah. And so, I mean, I understand it's going to be economic disruption, and it's unfortunate for the people living in that experience, but we're going to be saving a whole lot of lives. We're going to be reducing the environmental impact as well, because mm-hmm. they, they, uh, they'll they be able to um, operate more efficiently, mm-hmm. uh, and with fewer stops, fewer accidents, you're wasting less ore to create replacement vehicles to get destroyed, fewer lives are being lost. Um, and because, like you said, there was something you read that they had done a study about uh, a GPS all only taking right turns. Because yeah. a right turn, you're not going to wait as long necessarily. Yeah, UPS. U- UPS was doing it where they would only do right turns. Um, yeah. And and the, 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 the vehicles, they spent way less money. And something like this, in like a span of a year or something like that, say something like $25 million in fuel costs. Wow. Um, and uh, the, there were yeah, fewer accidents. And the packages were actually delivered on time uh, uh, more efficiently. Like wow. in a faster t- turnaround time. Um, so yeah, you only turning right wow. by only turning right because yeah, they're they're not spending as much time idling when yeah. you turn left and stuff like that, and fewer accidents were being caused because they were getting like T-bone and stuff like that, yeah. right? So there's less packages being lost, packages are being delivered earlier, and they saved yeah, like fuel tens economy. of millions of dollars in fuel. And wow. so that's better for the environment. It's way better, yeah. And as well, I mean, if you look at the supply so chain, for the economy too, right? Uh, potentially, yeah. uh, depending. I depending mean, if you have a, if you have a fossil fuel based economy, then that you know might not be so great for the Canadian dollar in the short term, but long term. As you transition into green technologies, that could work quite well. So, I mean, I'm still personally thinking that the first generation of these things really need to have the ability for the driver to take over, just mm-hmm. in case it's it, it, there is a situation yeah. that the vehicle can't anticipate. I mean, I'd like to think that it could it could think of anything, but um, yeah, you, you never know. It's that thing that, and, and the sad thing is, is like a couple of front page stories could really start to derail it but i mean like you could be driving along and what if i don't know there's like a low-flying aircraft that you might hit will the sensor pick it up at a certain elevation how do mm. the sensors read parking signs does it have to be preloaded on google maps or can it actually read the signs do you have to tell it here do you do, you do that verbally or can you take the wheel what if, so, something, some, what, what if something removes the sign or like someone removes the sign yeah or like if it's been vandalized that's a that's a, that's a fantastic question so and who's responsible for paying the the, the yeah like the, all those the, uh, the stop the harper uh, stop signs that we have like with that throw off the the uh, the vehicle yeah so i mean it depends on is it is it basing those like parking decisions can you tell it just park um yeah. is it making that decision based on a visual scan or is it preloaded data into like google maps or whatever mm-hmm. if that data is off who's to blame the city or so you. Yeah. There, you know there's a legal framework that needs to be put into place but i think having the ability to take over the the, the wheel is uh, is important uh, probably what, for the first there generation. That you were reading the other day talking about that family that was in the Tesla that got in a huge like like multi car pileup. Yeah, you look at it, and oh, um, when we were in the Imperial War Museum in uh, London, they had a whole bunch of things, and their most modern piece was a car that had been destroyed by a car bomb in Iraq, I believe. Um, and there is, right, and yeah. so it was just a hunk of metal. You couldn't tell it was a vehicle to begin with. It was yeah. just a it was a rectangle of metal. Oh wow! Um, and so. 
anyways, there's this picture of this Tesla that had had, that had gone through an accident, and it looked about on par with that, just yeah. darker in color, in all honesty. It looked like it had been subject to a bomb, and it looked like it was industrial art. It didn't look like it was ever a car or a vehicle of any kind. Um, and so it had been through a massive accident. Uh, it had four passengers, and they all walked out without a scratch. The car's no longer Whoa. recognizable as a vehicle, but the Tesla, with its own, like, it has certain things that, that it does for safety. Yeah. Um, you know, warnings, and, and it'll break and, and take the wheel, uh, depending on the settings. Yeah. Uh, and uh, another interesting thing about Tesla recently is there's severe uh, flooding in part of uh, Russia, and someone had, I believe it was a Model S. And so pretty, and so he, <laughs> and so there was Isn't this. That the, the lower value yeah, version, it, the Model no, S. No, the Model S is the higher end, and it is fancy. There's the, the there's, that looks like, is that the one that looks like the Maserati? Oh, okay. There's yeah. the S and the X. I forget which is which. I think the X came first. Uh, those are both high end. It's the Model Three is going to be the lower, 3, one, that's it, lower one, starting yeah, yeah. at thirty some odd uh, base uh, yeah. average uh, loadouts, like forty two k or something. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a very exciting thing. Uh, I was tempted to put down the deposit, but I don't have that kind of money to throw around. But anyway, so in Russia, there was some intense rain and flooding. And so there was this underpass um, that a guy was uh, driving his Model S into. And all the other internal combustion engine cars had flooded and stalled. But because his battery casing is waterproof, uh, that he was able to uh, drive through it and around. And there's video online, you can find it, Elon Musk tweeted wow. it, uh, where uh, he was able to drive through the, the all the stalled cars and get out on the other side. And part of it was because his, the battery component is completely um, uh, airtight and therefore waterproof. But not only that, is the Teslas don't require an air intake for the engine to function. Yeah. So there's no air intake to get flooded or oh. to get blocked. So, and then the other funny thing is, is I believe it's actually slightly lighter. I think the yeah. Tesla's lighter, yeah, right? Quite light, yeah. So it actually didn't totally go under, and it actually kind of turned into technically a boat for a short period of time. A hybrid. So it was it was on the a new kind of hybrid, I suppose. Yeah. It was on. It was not completely. Yeah, sort of, and so, uh, but the spinning of the wheels still provided because of the way that, like the uh, um, the wheel would go and the way the the hydrodynamics worked, like that it was just enough propulsion uh, along with its initial inertia yeah. to get through this little tunnel, wow. this underpass, wow. and get out the other side. How was he able um, to steer steer around these vehicles? Well, yeah. I guess the wheel turning would not a lot of, is a rudder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, I guess it would. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and there wasn't a lot of steering involved. I think he only really had to get around one car that was in his particular lane. And so Elon Musk was like, I don't recommend it, but this was a thing that happened. Yeah. And of course, the media, unfortunately, clickbait spun it to Elon Musk says that, you know, Model S's can become boats for yeah, short periods of, of time. Of course, that's not exactly yeah, what he was saying. He was like, yeah, okay, it could in theory kind of work. I don't recommend it, though. But that's not the headlines you might see. So, you know, I like to go to the go to the source. I follow Elon Musk on Twitter. Uh, he's a hero of mine. So, um, you know, that that was uh, that was that was kind of cool to see uh, yeah. those two different things. So, yeah. Um, anyways, getting getting back to it. Yeah. So like the thing about uh, planes is it's really counterintuitive. I love having a window seat on a plane because I only have to deal with one person that I might, you know, not anticipate. I get my guaranteed armrest, yeah. you know, and I kind of like having that degree of you know, uh, control over my space, my own entertainment, mm -hmm. but I often am right over the wing and I look out at that wing and it's before you take off, the seams don't seem to line up. No. But the thing is, is at higher velocities, pressure and temperature, the metal will expand and mm -hmm. the seams will come together, but it's a slow process. So you don't, it's not like you watch it and all of a sudden it's not transformers out there, you know, yeah. it's, it happens over time. So if you were to take maybe before and after picture or a time lapse, maybe you might notice it then. So at first it looks like there's a lot of exposed plane yeah. you know out there on that yeah. wing um and then you get up there and also with the flaps up you look under the flap and there's all those gears and like that's exposed to the elements how is that safe yeah. you think right 
uh, all those mechanics. And so, and then you see it flapping around. And so the other thing that I would add on to the statistics and the other thing you were mentioning about VA and everything is just that basic thought, because I find that going back to fundamentals, if you're having anxiety is useful. Um, it's the, it's the twig that bends versus the rigid stick that snaps. Yeah. And well, I think that's, and I think that's, that's actually the, 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 the philosophy, the mindset that was used. And that's kind of, you know, the, one of the things that they look at when they talk about aerodynamics, mm-hmm. they look at things like a nature and how they work. And yeah, yeah. and they, I mean, they, they, they use all that sort of stuff to develop and to, to improve the, the, the technologies and the safety, yeah. savings and safety measures and all that sort of stuff. Right. Like, um, for those of you who don't know the reason why my, my, uh, was mentioning my brother, um, it's because he actually works in avionics. He's a he's a, a helicopter repair person. He works uh, with. Um, he's an engineer. Yeah, he's an engineer. He's an engineer. He knows yeah. his stuff. He's, he's very um, intelligent. Um, and so yeah, I mean, so just like when there's few people that I would trust more than him uh, when it talks about things with regards to safety measures, with regards to anything that flies, you know. So he knows his stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, and and he yeah, and I mean, he's way on. He's the one that told me that the, the the most dangerous part of flying is takeoff and landing, and that's such a rare event. Yeah. So, uh, so of course now that I know that every time we take off online, I'm like, oh, is this gonna yeah. be the day? No, okay, today's not the day. All right, cool. And, <laughs> and statistically, it's just not that likely to ever be the day. Yeah. So yeah, it's just uh, the thing is, is it gets reported on because uh, it is big. It is catastrophic. It is big news, and and sometimes and for those people, it's hugely impactful uh, of, of their lives and their families, and yeah. you know, of so of course we don't want to minimize that, but at the same time. Uh, you know, the train derailment doesn't get as much coverage as the missing plane does, and the car accident barely gets a, a line in the newspaper. So. Because it's such a commonplace thing, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. It's so common that yeah. we've kind of made this bizarre psychological cognitive Inverse. dissonance piece with it. Yeah. That, you know, and, and I think that there's the feeling of control in the car. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting to think about self-driving cars, because what if we were to take it to its logical conclusion and say... What if what, what what are we what kind of society is going to be like in ten or twenty years after the self driving car becomes normal? Yeah. Um, are you ever going to need to park your car close to the front door of the Walmart? Not really, no. because the car can drop you off and then go about it, its merry way. Uh, and so, talking about um, Tesla's, uh, there's been a lot of rumors that their auto driving feature uh, could easily be turned on to be an automated Uber. Where basically you'd buy a subscription to Tesla's Uber equivalent, whatever it might be called. Anytime you need a car, one will just come rolling by. And they might just have like parkades in cities where they might warehouse the cars. Or maybe they'll be warehoused in you know private parking lots or whatever. Um, but it could be the, po- the point of like owning your own car might not make the same sense yeah. in 10 or 20 years. And it could also be like, you know, oh, I've got a lot of groceries. I want the bigger uh, trunk space. I'm with my family. I need three seats. So send me a three seat car. I'm by myself. Send me the two seater. You know, I, I want to have some fun. Send me the sports car. You know, maybe. Uh, and so like, would you would it make a lot more sense to have that subscription service? Then think about how many fewer vehicles need to be owned and created the yeah. ore extracted from the earth and all that, you know, the rubber and everything else that goes into it. Uh, it could be a much more efficient system. Um, but it would be very different from what we're used to in like the American car culture. That'd be a really difficult thing to adapt to. And one thing I was thinking about just the other day, um, so let's say it's 10 or 20 years from now, we've got these self-driving cars and we've all got our subscription to Tesla Uber and everything's fantastic. But what about like, um, police officers? Mm -hmm. I don't know how to fire a gun. Really? I've done paintball and laser tag. Yeah. In Canada, uh, I expect the military and the police to know how to handle a firearm. Is a car possibly going to be treated in a similar fashion in the future? Where it's like, you know, uh, you have to go and get specialized training to be a person who drives a manual car. Is that going to be an unusual thing for you? The similar, similar to is knowing how to fire a rifle or something. Uh, Or is the police officer just going to be the passenger in the vehicle 
calling out, you know, making the calls that he has to do with all the radio and stuff. Because that's a, that's the thing that I wonder. Like, you know, we talk about like distracted driving laws and stuff like that, and you have a, a we have a police officer driving, you know, his cruiser, and they're speaking in the radio and they're doing all this stuff, and it's just like and that is very laptop. and that's very very distracting. And it's like, how are they able to focus on all these sort of things? And yeah. you wonder. And I think, so it's, I think it's, that's one of the reasons why they have two officers per car. Well, well, they don't yeah. always. But they, they don't, don't but always. They don't yeah, know. That's yeah. the thing, right? And so yeah. it's just like, and, and so like one of my colleagues one time, she asked, she's like, well, how come distracted driving laws don't apply to police officers? It's like, well, I mean, for very obvious reasons, it's why they don't apply to them because they have to, they have to do these sort of things. Yeah. And uh, perhaps superior training. And perhaps superior training. But at the same time, it's not like they're infallible. Yes, of course, they're going to get distracted, distracted yeah. in certain circumstances, right? So it would allow them to have perhaps be more efficient and more... Um, um, more effective yeah. um, as an officer, as a protector of, of, of us. But they that also they... know that they have to be, they have to be an, exa- like a, not an, an example. example. Well, they have to be a- an accountable. example. Accountable for their actions, right? Yeah. So they, they but it's one think, less okay, thing well, they have to I'm worry about. Right? I know something's going to happen, so I should pull over yeah. and do my stuff when I'm pulled but, I mean, over. But if they're in the middle of a chase, basically, and they have to do these call-outs and stuff yeah. like that, I mean, That's they true. can't. Yeah. Right, um, and so if but if they're in a self-driving vehicle, a the self-driving vehicle is going to be able to be able to maneuver throughout the traffic in a safer, more efficient way. Um, uh, they're right. probably going to be able to put, uh, execute pit, pit maneuvers a whole lot better. Yeah, um, and true, and yeah. they're going to and they're going to be able to safely make whatever radio calls that they have to make. They're going to be able to safely communicate with whomever it is that and coordinate with whomever it is that they have to coordinate with. So yeah. it'd be better for them to have a self-driving vehicle. Yeah. it'd be safer for the populace and the police officer and the person that they're engaging with to have a self-driving vehicle. I think. Yeah. I, uh, but I would also say that they would probably still need to have that manual ability well, yes. and control to take over the vehicle because let's say that you're trying to let's say that somebody's rigged up something so they've got a vehicle that's not self-driving mm-hmm. so they're doing you know crazy stuff maybe they drive straight off the road into the country I don't know how the self-driving vehicle mm-hmm. uh, you know how Operation it dirt roads. Yeah. Or, or or even like you know kind of what kind of like um, programming would be needed mm. for the the police vehicle versus the private vehicle mm. um, and how that would be provided for. But also the question is, you mentioned the pit maneuver. Mm-hmm. The pit maneuver is where you strategically strike one car with another car to cause it to spin out in order to stop a high speed chase. It's yeah. a very risky, dangerous thing to do. They're very well trained and they only do it under certain safe circumstances. Many many times I'm reading an article about some speeding car that was let get away. And I'm like screaming at the paper, why didn't you pit that thing? But they know better than I. Maybe on a highway crowded with other vehicles, that would have caused tons of fatalities. It wasn't safe. The smarter call for the greater good was to let that vehicle go away. So then you get into those moral questions again Mm -hmm. about whether to engage or disengage. Is the degree Mm -hmm. of risk good enough? I like the idea of an officer who's specially trained able to take that wheel. Mm -hmm. But let's say you're doing the pit maneuver and you damage one of your sensors. So you need to... But you have them, them... Cagey thingies in the front, though. I mean, you yeah, but you can't, you can't predict what's going to end yeah, up getting stuck true. in your car yeah, or something, enough. right? You're chasing, you're chasing the bad guy with the gold bricks, and they throw a gold brick right in your sensor, <laughs> yeah. you know. Or it's, or it's like the the Night Rider TV series. Mm. The last series was actually pretty decent. I'm it sad was. that it only went one season. Where I think they had some sort of like EMP thing that they hit Kit yeah. with one time. Yeah. Like I like the idea, EMP, but I like, yeah. I like the idea yeah. that that uh, the driving of a vehicle becomes a specialized skill. Because think about it. What right now with with shooting in Canada, you got hunters. All right. Uh, you got like professional sharpshooters who might be like Olympic shooters, marksmen, yeah. you know, yeah. marksmen. And then you've got military and uh, and law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Why why couldn't vehicles maybe be something similar? I mean, you've got the Formula One, you've got you know the Indy Five Hundred and all that kind of stuff. So there's your hunter and sharpshooter equivalent. Mm-hmm. And then so like I'm totally uh, uh, comfortable with making that transition, but I think there's got to be a step in between where we can still take the wheel. Yeah, so o- so. Override it to manual, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, 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 there's got to be a black box that's gonna that has to have a permanent record of when 
you've when you've taken manual control in case of legal responsibilities. But yeah. I think it's quite interesting. I, I see no reason to slow down on the on the yeah. path to self-driving no, cars because it can save a whole lot of lives. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There, there definitely are certainly going to be jobs lost, especially in the auto industry, clearly. I mean, there's just no, unfortunately, there's just no way around that. Um, but, um, but there's, but the thing is, I mean, vehicles will still have to be manufactured. It's just not going to be your traditional combustion engine vehicle. No. It's going to be, uh, an electric vehicle. I mean, yeah, okay. There's probably going to a lot, it's going to be a lot more automated and stuff like that, but there are, uh, it just, I mean, that's the thing. It just, it, you have to adapt with the times. And unfortunately, uh, as the technology becomes more antiquated, the jobs then become redundant. It's an, un, it's, it sucks. Um, um, people do are going to you know lose jobs as a result of, of this evolving um, infrastructure. Yeah. Um, um, and hopefully there's going to be some sort of measures in place for those who are still going to be going to be you know viable as far as you know re-entering re the workforce. Um, but um, it, it's it's kind of an I don't want to say necessary evil, but it's a, it's a necessary thing that has to happen. I mean, just like you know with you know in the 80s and 90s when when again there's a lot of technological advances where they were able to. Um, uh, automate a lot of things like car manufacturing. A lot of people did lose their jobs, and it really, really sucked. But a lot of those people were able to find new jobs. They were able to get work placements. They were able to, to get retraining, all that sort of yeah. stuff. And the industry paid for that. So this this sort of thing is going to happen. And especially as as our um, workforce continues to age, um, because we live longer, uh, and mm -hmm. people as we are now in the age of computers, most people you know under the age of sixty know how to use computers and are fairly adept with computers and so it's going to be a lot easier to replace their jobs with other jobs that may involve may not be quite as hands-on but i mean there it's gonna be a whole lot easier to place do job placement for the new wave of people who are going to lose jobs because of technological changes than it is than it was in the 80s and the 90s uh because a lot of the people who are in their you know mid you know mid to late 40s and their early 50s and 60s and stuff like that they've never touched a computer before they didn't know what a computer was they've never looked at one they don't have one in their home they didn't have one in their home so things like job placement sucked it was hard it was and a lot of people struggled for a really really long time yeah but that's not going to be as likely to be the case now um uh, because most people again like i mean my my, my sister was just talking to me the other day today about her you know 80 something year old grandmother talking about oh, i'm probably gonna have to get around to you learning how to use a, an ipod one of these days she's in her 80s she's not like in her early 80s she's in her you know she's well, no, she, i think she's in her early to mid late 80s but she knows how to use a computer she she she's somewhat familiar with i mean she knows what an ipod is for crying out loud i mean that's you know so i mean it's it's the times they are a change and some <laughs> yeah, but she's going to iPod. She might as well skip a generation and go to something more current, like a cell phone uh, that can play the music. But it's it's interesting because uh, seniors, for many years now, have been the fastest growing group on Facebook in terms of new user yeah, base. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, the the uptake there is quite common. And so yeah, I mean, self driving cars could result in the loss of some sorts of jobs. But it'd be there, you know, it, you can't think in the static of well, these truck drivers are going to lose their jobs, and there's no replacement. And that's it, and they're going to there's going to be a net loss of jobs to the economy forever. That's not the way it works. With the technological advancements, new jobs are being created. People are money, making money off of podcasting and YouTube stars, mm -hmm. where I don't know that there's necessarily an easy equivalent before because we still have radio and TV personalities and mm -hmm. all sorts of other things. So is that expanding? Are there now more entertainers than there were before? I don't know. Um, but also thinking about some of those challenges we were talking about, self-driving cars. 
uh, is somebody going to maintain the the parking lot full of these uh, these Tesla Ubers? Who's going to be cleaning out these Tesla Ubers between jobs and making sure that they haven't been damaged internally by the customers? Mm-hmm. Who's going to be filling out the banking information, resolving customer service complaints in case somebody doesn't like having to wait 14 minutes for the car to come up? You know, mm-hmm. um, who? Uh, what about that question about parking? Is there going to have, have to be a greater effort to, uh, you know, uh, record parking information? Who's going to record that information? How's Copy that going to be recorded? If it's visual, then they're going to have to be making sure those signs haven't been tampered with. Mm-hmm. All those sorts of things. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's, it's going to be a generational problem, potentially. Yes. Uh, yeah. more, much more so in the United States because it's such a big part of their economy. Yes. Um, but uh, it's creative destruction that gets into a better place. And the other thing is, is, I mean, if we're living longer, then there's going to be much more healthcare positions that are going to be... Mm-hmm. Uh, created that can the, all those things could be uh, creating other jobs as well. So, uh, I mean, I feel for those individuals, but Absolutely. if you're looking at a societal level, you really got to look what's you know utilitarian the ba- the the greatest gain in happiness for the yeah. Most you, have to, you, have people. To, you have to look at the the the, the, the long term positivity versus the short term negativity. Yeah, um, and just try and, to mitigate the damage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm very tired. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, well, I'm getting there too. I gotta. Yeah. And, you know, we've been missing the Mari Marathon for this whole time. So who knows what's happened? Yeah. Maybe I've won a T-shirt. Thanks for uh, tuning in. And uh, remember to check out our website, vacationimpossible.ca. We're on Twitter at vacayimpossible. Uh, we're on uh, Podbean, which is vacationimpossible.podbean.com. And uh, you can listen to us on Stitcher and uh, Google Play. ITunes. We're working on getting iTunes. iTunes. And uh, check us out on YouTube. We're Vacation Impossible. And we've got a whole bunch of videos uh, travel. And uh, yeah, we're on yeah. Instagram. Please subscribe on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to the podcast through whatever platform you're listening to this on. If you guys have any, if you guys have any things that you want us to discuss uh, in future podcasts, like let us know. Yeah. Throw, a comment, throw a comment in the YouTube Throw a comment. We'll, we'll talk about it. Tweet we'll us. More, we'll, you more know, options, I mean, yeah. We have all these different platforms that we're yeah. available on. So if there's things that you want us to talk about... If you don't want us to ramble on about certain topics, like just let us know. You know, let us know how you want this to, to kind of shape out. Obviously, we kind of want to focus a little bit on the vacation thing as much as possible because that's kind of what we do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let us know what you want us to discuss. Uh, you know, what kind of travel tips you want us to present. Uh, you know, Ray has done a few little pro tips travel videos. If you like those, you want to see more of those. Like, let us know, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll. We'll do we yeah, we got plenty of other interests. I mean, we're a large and diverse group of people. Uh, you yeah. get a different mix every time. Uh, but, you know, we're into tabletop gaming. We're into retro games. We're into modern video games. Mm-hmm. We're into, you know, obviously movies, television shows, uh, popular culture, news, music, all sorts of different things. So if you've got a question or a topic that you want covered, uh, one way you can get that to us is hashtag VI podcast or VI podcast topics on Twitter. We'll check that hashtag before we start any uh, new episode and uh, jot down any questions or topic suggestions you have and uh yeah so feel free to communicate with us but for now we're very tired we're gonna go back to probably watching the mario marathon and eventually sleep so thanks for tuning in take care all